And welcome to the 10th episode of MMA Wreckage Radio. Uh, we're super excited to have this one for you guys. It's definitely a milestone for Ben and I. Uh, thank you guys for being along with this journey. And uh, just stay tuned because we have a lot coming in store. Uh, for today's episode, though, we have you. Uh, sorry, Cage Wars 40s competitor Cody Dickerson. And then from there, we have Tough 27 finalist Joe Gianetti. That was the undefeated season of Tough. And then we have recently released UFC flyweight Jose Shorty Torres going to stop by, talk about his release and a bunch of other things. And then to end the show, Ben and I are going to break down the very first ESPN Plus card. Uh, it's going to be an awesome night of fights. I know definitely I'm jonesing for fights. We haven't had them in a couple of weeks. And this very first ESPN Plus card is stacked from top to bottom. You knew that the UFC was going to come out swinging with this very first card on ESPN Plus, and they're giving you a champion versus champion main event. The flyweight champion Henry Cejudo is going to be putting on his putting his 125 pound title on the line against TJ Dillashaw. Uh, TJ Dillashaw is given the opportunity to become a double champion. And uh, he is the very first guy to take on Henry Cejudo. And I really think this is kind of a travesty because I've rewatched this DJ versus Henry fight now about five or six times. And I've never once given it to Henry. Um, so for the fact that us as fans aren't seeing Demetrius Johnson versus TJ Dillashaw, I'm kind of bummed. But TJ is going to get his opportunity to become double champ. And uh, Ben, what do you think about that? Well, See, this is the thing that we've seen the reports that he's not having an easy time with his weight cut, and there's a lot of concerns there. And one of the ideas I saw brought up was if he can't make weight, let's see if we can get him to 135, get them both at 135, and have it be a bantamweight title fight. Well, realistically, if that is the case, if he comes in heavy and he cannot make that 125-pound limit, if he's 126, you could have a bantamweight title fight. No, the bantamweight limit. Yes, the bantamweight limit does not state that you have to be 135 pounds. It states you have to be yeah, below 135 pounds to 125. It's 125 to 135. That is the championship limit, technically, for the bantamweight division. See, I thought they only did pound allowances in the UFC. That's if you're going up. You know what I mean? They don't care how small you are. They let fucking people size people all the time. Well, Look yeah. at back in the day. I don't know. I think that uh, they should do the pound allowance for the lowest. I only thought that was a thing. I guess you learn something new every day no matter what stage you're at as a fan. But... Either way, I think that the fight, you know, it will happen no matter what the weight issue is. Um, I hope that if we can't see a flyweight fight, that we will see that bantamweight title fight. But, you know, time will tell. We'll see. I think uh, maybe that was put out there to kind of, you know, bait the hook a little bit. Get uh, Cejudo thinking maybe he's got an easy fight here or something like that. Or get some anxiety going in that side of things. I don't know. We'll find out. So, I, I think... Uh, I think it's going to be an easy fight, though, for TJ. I think he's going to go in there and uh, spark Cejudo no matter what. 
whether his weight's on point or not, he's going to go in there, he's going to get the job done in the second round. But we'll get more into yeah, that later be, on. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a great fight. But not even just that main event. The whole card is stacked. Um, outside of the you know ESPN Plus card itself, the ESPN prelim cards is completely stacked also. The main event for that is Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Alexander Hernandez. And, I mean, Alexander Hernandez just looks like the type of person who is poised to be a champion and to be a champion of multiple weight classes in the future. I just feel like the sky's the limits for this kid. And the fact that Cowboy was even willing to take a fight with somebody of this magnitude and this caliber at this stage in his career just speaks volumes to who Cowboy Cerrone is. Cowboy Cerrone will literally... Have He'll you fight s- anybody at any time. Have you fucking seen Hernandez lately? The guy looks like he's chiseled out of goddamn stone. The I mean, dude's like a fucking beast. It's it's scary, but we and his uh, hand speed is just ridiculous. His accuracy at that too. Yes, his timing. Oh, he's fucking insane. We had a great interview with him, and we look forward to uh, bringing him back here in the future. We'll definitely have him back on after he uh, takes care of Donald on Saturday. All right, yeah, well, first we've got to worry about getting this interview taken care of with Cody Dickershade. So, guys, give us just a second, and we'll get him on the line. Hey, this is John Anik with the UFC. You are listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. At this time, Wreckage fans, I have Cody Dickershade, and he is going to be taking part at Cage Wars 40. That is Saturday, February 9th. At his Rivers Casino and Resort Event Center, he is going to be taking on Kyle Keller. He's going to kill me. Uh, what up, man? Well, whatever, what up, Because at this time we got Cody online. Cody, how you doing today? I'm all right. How y'all doing? You're doing pretty good. So, oh, good. Uh, what are you doing to prepare for this fight? Cardio, lots of it, tons of it. <laughs> you going all three rounds? You know, that's what we aim for. That's what we aim for, but I'm looking to take it out in one, as always. That's what, I, that's what I look for. You know, we've been doing a whole lot of work, stand-up, ground games, you know, just throwing over everything that we can imagine. Doing a lot. We, so we watch his two fights, you know, and, you know, we can, you know, we're just setting up a game plan and getting everything ready to go. Yeah, other than that, you know, I'm ready to rock. It's my hometown, so, you know, I got to make it look good. <laughs> Definitely. Do you have a preference if this fight stays standing or if it goes on the ground? You know, if it goes, if it stays standing, that's cool with me. But if it goes on the ground, I'm safe there too. So either way, either way, it's fine for me. But you already know, I'd rather stand and gang than anything. It's always fun to stand up and fight. That's what the sport's like, all about. <laughs> do you feel like you hold an advantage in striking and grappling to, to your opponent? You know, I've always got to think the best, right? You know, we'll see what happens. Well, uh, I, I think so, in my mind. So, talk to us a little bit about this. Uh, you have a little bit of a change of scenery here coming in. Your last time out, uh, in at least in uh, in some sort of combat sports setting, was uh, in a was in a Muay Thai bout. Now, talk to us a little bit about how that you know what you learned in that Muay Thai bout and how that's going to help you here at Cage Wars Forty. Uh, honestly, you know, I it was it was a great time. I had a lot of fun out there. Rex is awesome. Rex Thompson that runs it all out there. You know, it's a whole lot of fun out there. I, I did it mainly looking at to see where my stand up was, uh, how I was looking, how I felt. And it was the first time I could say I won a full three rounds, and it was pretty. It was pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I, mean, I had fun. 
it was it was a war back and forth. Um, honestly, I learned to uh, move my damn fucking head because it kind of hurts getting hit. You know, it, it stings a little bit after like the third or fourth time. <laughs> Uh, and like I said, definitely cardio. Like I, like I said, I took this, I took that fight to see where I was at. You know, I really didn't have much of a fight camp for it, but to see where my standpoint was at from not having a full fight camp and doing what I did, it felt pretty nice. So I got to see where my stand-up fully was at, and I loved it. So that's kind of what my game has been lately. You know, I've been doing a whole lot more stand-up than ground, but I always still work on my ground just to make sure, you know, that I can still be safe down there. You know, I've wrestled for a long time. I got into jiu-jitsu at a younger age. Uh, I got into the striking game a little late, but I, I, I fell in love with it immediately. So that's what I'd rather do, honestly. <laughs> now, the local scenes fan base is kind of buzzing about this fight. There's a lot of hype behind you going into this, uh, especially with you being on a two-fight skid. There, the big question is, is it, um, how are we going to turn this around? And a lot of people believe you can do it. You can go in there and then definitely spark this guy in the first round. Now, what changes have you made to your game plan, if any, to make that happen? You know, the, the last two fights can't make excuses. The, you know, my first fight with Miguel back in April, that was, that, like I said, that was an awesome fight. My last fight, that didn't go well at all. <laughs> that went terribly awful. And that, honestly, that became a breaking point for me. It was either a, a make it or break it. You know, it's either going to humble you up and you're going to get back to work, or you're going to shut up and you're going to go get a day job, and that's going to be the end of it. I said, I don't like doing the 9 to 5. I want to punch people in the face. <laughs> so I got back with uh, I got back with my gym, you know, J.K. Kemp up, talked to my coach, and I said, I need to get back to work. I said, there's no way I can, I can't fuck this up anymore. So they, they graciously took me back in, and we've been working ever since. And we, he, he, he asked me about this fight. I said, it's up to you. He said, go for it. So we accepted this fight, and that's all we've been doing is preparing for it. Preparing for it. You know, I, I spend as much time as I'm in the gym, you know, than I'm at work. I, I'd rather be in the gym any day than be at a job. But, you know, that doesn't pay bills right now. <laughs> and personally, so, here we are. Uh, the question that's on my mind for you real quick, it, you know, here after this fight, you're going to be kind of at a crossroads in your uh, MMA career as to whether you want to go pro or try to get another shot at Cage Wars uh, amateur gold. And with that pro yeah. card coming up in September, what are your plans? Would you rather try to get that uh, gold again or do you want to go for the professional career? You know, I, I was going to mention that... Uh Everyone's asking me, when are you going to go pro? When are you gonna... I have, what, 20-plus fights already. You know, granted, I was taking fights younger. You know, when I was, you know, 23, 24, I was fighting every two weeks. You know, I was taking fights on 12-hour notice just so, you know, I didn't get in trouble. You know, it kept me busy. It kept me going. Well, honestly, I think after this one, this is probably going to be my last amateur fight. I would love to be on a pro card. Uh, like I said, it kind of stings, you know, getting punched in the face a lot of times. And you're not, there's, there's no money out of it right now. But at the end of the day, I love this sport. But I, I think this is going to be my last amateur fight. I think I'm going to go pro after this one. After I win this one and I win it in fashion, that, that's it. I'm, I'm going to go pro. So you say you're so, going uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully Squid hears it and likes it. And, uh, you know, after I win, I can talk to him about all that contract stuff. <laughs> 
We're about three weeks out from the fight right now. Um, what has your fight camp been like to this point? Gruesome, painful, throw up. But, you know, I, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I was sick the past couple days, but I still went to the gym anyway. <laughs> I still went to the gym anyway, so being sick and training at the same time kind of sucked. But it was worth it because I pushed through it. And honestly, I couldn't ask for a better coach. Coach Blair, I've known him since I was a kid. I used to wrestle with his sons. And, uh, you know, he, he pushes me harder than anybody I could have been pushed. There, there are no limits. There, there's exactly no limits to him. You can't waste time, only potential, he says. So you just keep pushing and keep pushing until you can't push no more. And then you still keep pushing. There's no ending it. And I love him to death for that. So especially, with, you know, my, my other striking coach, Johnny, you know, I love him to death. He's great. And then I got, a, I, got a, I got a couple other sparring partners, a couple other training partners that come in. But, you know, our gym's small. Our gym's small. We're not that big. We're still trying to get a big out there, but we're a great school, especially a great striking school. You know, my striking probably went from a four to an, an eight. <laughs> so I'm, I'm proud of that. And I couldn't be blessed more than to be with a gym like this one. I like the confidence that you have. I, I have to say that real quick. You seem very confident, and that's what I like to see in a fighter before they're heading into a fight. You know, we're three weeks out, as Randall said. Now, what what uh, concerns do you have heading into this fight, if any? None. Honestly, you know, I mean, I had a lot of personal issues when, you know, my last fight go around, and like I said, it was either going to make you or break you, and it made me, and I've been putting in way too much work to worry about any any damn concerns. There are no concerns. The concern is when I'm going to end up winning and what round and how I'm going to win. That's the only concern I have. Other than that, I have none. I'll see him on the ninth. I have all due respect for him. He's a top school. I have all due, I have all top respect for the team. But I'm not going to make friends this time around. I'm going to win. I'm, it's my hometown, and I'm looking to show up. I'm not, I'm not shutting up this one. I'm looking oh, to know. show up at the yeah. end of the day. You're not there to you make friends, dude. I'm going to be there. I'm a little crushed. I'm heartbroken. Why are you crushed? <laughs> I thought you and I were going to have a beer or something after the fight. I get it. No, that's cool. You're not there to make friends. I'll go fuck myself. Oh, oh come on, man. No, that's after the fight. Like I said, after the fight, after the fight, it's all good. I'll make friends all day. I'll all be right. friends with everybody. I'll be friends with, I'll be friends with my opponent after. We can be friends before. We can be friends after. But during, once that door closes, there are no friends. It's kill or be killed, and that's the end of the day right there. You very slick pumping for that after party. I'm really looking forward to that. Van oh, it's like, going to be lit. Oh, you already know. is crazy as it is. So having fights, having fights around here already, like, it's just nuts already. Cage Wars is nothing but the talk and the talk. Uh, love, love it to death. And, you know, like I said, we get it lit up in there. It's the only, it's the, it's, it's the only thing we have there. It's the only thing we have here. We have the casino. That's it. <laughs> and and, and Tim's really, he's done really well in making that what seems to be Cage Wars' home. Now, speaking of which, you've bounced back and forth a little bit between bantamweight and featherweight. Uh, your last fight for Cage Wars was at bantamweight. Uh, this fight is at featherweight, I believe. Now, where do you want to go? Do you want to stay at bantamweight or do you want to go to featherweight? No, no, featherweight is great. You know, once I'm already, I walk around at 65, almost 70. So, I mean, cutting from there to 45, that's good enough. I, it's been a while. I haven't cut to 35 since, like, high school. So, when I, when I was wrestling back in high school, so me going down to 35 that time around, sucked. 
it, it just sucks. 45, I feel healthy. I feel I can move better. I can. I have, I have my power still. I have my speed. I, I just feel better overall at 45. It just sucks because you see a mix. I, I'm, I'm a shorter guy. You know, I'm a shorter guy with these small arms. And I see all these guys coming in 5, 10, 6 foot coming walking in at 145. What the hell? That's not fair. That's not fair to me. <laughs> but, you know, it's what it is. I feel better at this weight class. I, I feel I like do better at this weight class. 135 just, nah. <laughs> that just sucked overall. And I felt all small and feeble. And I hated that look and feeling. Now, you fought, what was it, twice? Two or three times at, at lightweight, I believe, in your career as well. I did, actually. I, I, I did a couple times. Actually, you know, that was, that was earlier, though, you know, my, in my amateur career. You know, my first fight was at 55 was actually uh, Randy Lamb. That, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was joyous. That was a fun fight. And the next fight I took a week later, still at lightweight, but the kid came in so overweight. You know, I think he was like 160-something. Yeah, I was barely weighing 148 at the time. I was pushing 148 at that time. So they were like... I was, they were like, you still want to fight? I said, yeah, fuck it. I said, I'll take the fight. And I ended up beating him in the second round. So, okay, that, that was awesome. Uh, 155, that's, you know, I, I, I play around there. You know, I play around there once, you know, I start weightlifting more and getting a little bit stronger. You know, I would probably, I would, I would definitely play around at 55. Now, you've met with uh, the gentleman who's fighting in the lightweight title fight, Steve Zakrakis. I'm sorry, I butchered your last Zakarakis. name. Yeah, uh, however, I'm terrible with last names. Uh, congratulations That's on the baby, right. by the way, man. Like, congratulations yeah, on man, that. congrats, brother. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry I fucked up your last name. He's got his brother's books. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there anything... He's definitely got his mother's books. <laughs> You've met him, you had two canceled bouts with him and uh, a grappling match with him that didn't end in your favor. Is there any plans to try to get a rematch inside the cage? You know, I, I don't know. Me, me and Steve, we, we talk a lot of shit to each other out of fun and out of friendship. You know, if that were to happen, then it happens. But, you know, I'm not, you know, like, we're, we're too good of friends to where if that were to happen, you know, that'd be a fun fight to see. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. But, you know, I mean, that would just be a fun show. I wouldn't mind that at all, actually. Now it's time to think about that. Now... Hopefully he's, not, hopefully he's not getting too old on me. Too old. That'd be awful. <laughs> he's getting up there with age. He's got so many kids. You know, come on, man. He's got to stop. He's just got to stop. He's got to... Dude, I man, having a kid ages you like a motherfucker. Seriously, I'm 23. Uh, I got I'm one. I'm at, like, 40. I, 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 I had one, and I think I just got, like, I think, like, more, I already had gray hair coming in at, like, 23. Now I'm, like, I'm, like, salt and pepper now. Like, they just need It's terrible. It's really the worst thing in the world. I mean, I love her to death. That's my angel right there. But it's just, like, what what the hell happened? Oh, you know, just no. yesterday, I, I was a kid. Now all of a sudden, I got one. <laughs> oh, it's insane. Just aggression. But at this point, if, if, uh... You know, we're going to show this inter- or part of the- this part of the interview to your opponent later on. Is there anything that you'd like to say to him going into this fight? I'll, I'll see you on the night. Have fun, brother. I'll see you. <laughs> I like it. Now, at this point in time, we like to give you an opportunity to kind of share love to your sponsors or family members, coaches, anybody that's really helped you in your uh, MMA journey thus far. Is there anybody you'd like to share love with? Oh, of course. Well, first, I want to thank my gym. I want to thank my team, Coach Brett. You're the man. You're awesome, Johnny. Of course, love you. You're great. 
Bay Hills, you're you're awesome. You know, I got my I got Pimp Chappelle as a sponsor their jewelry their jewelry you know their jewelry company. Uh, you guys are great. Thanks for helping me out. Um, you know, I got the Palmas, the Palmas screen and printing that makes my shirts. You know, they 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 do a really nice job. Thank you for all that. You know, especially you now my mom. My mom's awesome. I love her to death. Love you, mom. <laughs> she, if it wasn't for her, I don't think I'd be where I was right now. You know, she was probably my hardest coach growing up ever. Uh, I, I would go to wrestling tournaments, and she'd be the one telling me how shitty of a job I did if it was a bad night. While other, while other kids were getting told, oh, it's okay, try again. No, no, I didn't get none of that. So, love you, mom, for it. Love you to death. You know, especially my girlfriend, my right-hand man over there. She, she's my sidekick. Nicole, I love you. You're, you're awesome. She pushes me to everything. She just makes, she makes sure that I eat right. She makes sure that I'm at practice. She makes sure that I'm, I'm up and moving. She makes sure my mind's clear. You know, so I love you for that. Thank you, Nicole. All right, man. Well, hey, i uh, just... And of course, hold up. I got to think my four-legged baby over here, my Ruby. Because that is, that is my life partner. I love her to death. I've had her for seven years. She rescued me seven years ago. And that's why they call me canine. I'm part dog. My mother always said I was part dog, so I'm glad I figured out the name. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's a good story behind that name. I don't think I've heard one like that yet, and I like that one. Now, closing thoughts for the fans real quick before we head into this. You guys are awesome. If it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the fans, we'd just be a bunch of animals fighting in a cage. It'd be like jail, only we're not going to jail. You know, we can go home after but if it wasn't for any of you guys buying tickets, you know, buying T-shirts, watching us going there and put on a show for everybody, you know, I love you all to death. You know, whether if you like me or you don't, I still love you all. Because if it wasn't for you guys, like I said, we just be two, you know, a bunch of crazy individuals going and fighting in a cage. So thank you for all that. You guys are great. And uh, I forgot to ask you, can I get an official prediction from you on this fight? Um, you already know. I'm looking for a first round knockout, baby. That's it. Go to sleep. Put him to bed. Night night. I love it. All right, man. Well, hey, I look forward to seeing you at the weigh-ins. Good luck on fight night, awesome, man. man. That'd be great to see you. Oh, I'll be there, man. I will be there. I look forward to meeting you, man. Oh, you both better be there. Oh, Rando's on the other side there. of the country, so uh, I'm in Vegas. Yeah, he's. he's oh, that's <laughs> so no fun, man. Just stay out there. Right? Just stay out there with the block. We'll I'll be watching, so uh, when you All win, right. I better get a shout-out. I, I got it for Jeff's shout-out now. I got it. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Well, hey, thank you very much for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, the featherweight prospect out of Cage Wars, Cody Dickershade. What's going on? This is Damon from Tell the Monster, and you're listening to Ben and Randall on MMA Wreckage Radio. I also want to let you know you can find all of our music streaming now on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else music lives. Be sure to like us on Facebook at Tell the Monster. You have been awoken. Alright, fight fans, at this time I have Tough 27 finalist Joe Gennetti. How you doing, Joe? Good, how you guys doing? That's doing pretty fantastic. good. Now, uh, you have an upcoming fight against Connor Berry, Cage Titans 47. That is, uh, what, next Saturday? Yep. So, how are you doing to prepare for that fight against Connor? Uh, I feel great, man. I mean, 
I thought it felt good for my last fight, but the fight camp never really stopped. I mean, I was in the gym the Monday after the fight, and I've been training ever since. I've been pretty much in a... Finale. I trained for that fight. I was in the gym the next Wednesday, and then I trained after that. And I went to a draw in my last fight. I was in the gym the Monday after that. So I've been training ever since, and I can really feel all the improvements coming together. Now, this is a title yeah. fight, correct? Unfortunately, no. So the game plan was the 155 champ for Cage Titans. We were supposed to fight previously, and obviously I made the show, so the fight couldn't happen for a different organization. He became the champ at Cage Titans. He won one fight and hasn't fought since. It's been almost exactly a year. He flat out said that he's ducking me, and the game plan was he was going to be stripped, and me and Connor were going to fight for five rounds for the belt. But Connor and his team decided that they didn't want five rounds; they wanted three. So, so this should be the path for you to get to that title here in the future. It should be, man. I mean, if I beat this guy, really, champs the only one left, and if he doesn't want to fight me, then they should strip him and find me somebody worthy to fight. See, now you're that fucking scary that people just don't want to fight you. Is that something you can take pride in? I mean, I would. Yeah, I, I mean, he said he's running from you. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm a pretty nice guy. I mean, when I talk shit to people, it's not like I'm not like attacking you emotionally or what physically, like the way you look. I mean, I'll just talk about your skill set. Like, yeah, you're pretty good, but my stand up's better or my jiu jitsu's better. It's just technical shit talk, and people don't like it. And I think that. They think it's a mental game, and they I think that they just scare themselves out of the fight. I mean, physically, looking at me, I'm not a scary-looking dude, so I wouldn't be scared of me. The Skeletor. <laughs> yeah. The one thing that stands out to me is you're only 23 years old. Like, your fight future is so far ahead of you. Yeah, 100%. I mean, a lot of people, surprisingly, like, don't realize that. I don't know if they just don't realize how young I am. But, you know, people think, like, oh, cut to the UFC, that's a wrap. But it's like, I'm, I've been where people have been striving their whole lives to be, and I'm only 23, like, I'm only going up. Yeah, so many people have came back, too, after going away for a while. They've came back and gone on to have great careers in the UFC. Now, normally you uh, train out of South Shore Sports Fighting, but right yep. now you're with AKA, correct? Uh, I train out of both. I just like to finish off my camp at AKA. Because they push so hard, and I like having that hard push towards the end of the camp. Now, there's a lot of high-level guys that train out of that facility, and uh, how does that help you going into this fight? I mean, obviously, training with guys this high-level, it improves my game tenfold. Um, but, I mean, the biggest thing for me that I would have to say is just mentally, uh, it's like it's going to be almost a relief when I get in there and just see Connor Barry, not to, like, knock him, but... He's not any of these dudes that have been kicking my ass the last four weeks. And do you kind of have a prediction for us as to how you feel this fight is going to go? Yeah, man. I think that as much as people say they they aren't, I think a lot of people are sleeping on me because that's just the way the, the community works. People just go with the wind. Um, I think that the first 30 seconds, I'm really just going to surprise people. I think people are going to expect me to just get run over, and I'm going to do more than hold my own. I could see me finishing Connor mid-second round or late in the first. Well, I mean, you've only been to this division four or five times out of your amateur and professional career combined, and the rest have all been finishes. I don't think you've been to the third round in your finishing streaks maybe one time between professional and amateur, and that's just impressive. So I would not doubt if we see a second round or first round finish here. Do you see it coming through a submission or by way of knockout? 
Um, it's weird. Normally, I, I see it, like, a lot of my finishes, if you go back and you check, you ask people that are around me or you look at my social media, I'll tell you how I'll finish you. Um, I see a lot of ways I can finish Connor. Not saying that I'll run through him. I think it'll be a tough fight. I just see a lot of holes and a lot of ways I can finish him. And uh, I don't really care. I mean, I'll take a knockout. I'll take an iron bar, a heel hook, a neck. I mean, I'll take anything he's going to be giving me because I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to give me something and he's going to want out. Now, in last year, we only, unfortunately, we only got to see you twice last year inside the cage. Do we plan on having a busier uh, 2019? I mean, I had um, my manager messaging Shelby, like, quote, unquote, I told him, I will be more active than Cowboy Cerrone in 2016. Like, I know you guys aren't happy with the finale, but give me literally top 10 in the UFC or bottom 10. I don't care. I'll fight anybody, and I'll fight literally every other month. I mean, if you look at the previous years of Cage Titans, I've been fighting five times a year. Um, only reason I didn't fight so much last year is because, you know, the show was taping, and then we have that delay until the finale, and then there was the delay until I knew I was cut, and then I squeezed in one more fight at the end of the year. I would have done more if I knew sooner. I tried getting on an August card back in Massachusetts. We just couldn't find an opponent on a week's notice. Now, you're based out of Massachusetts, correct? Yep. Now, I hate to play ad man, but you're, uh, you're not too far from, like, Albany, right? Uh, so I'm about 20 minutes south of Boston. So yeah, like February 9th, man, if you're looking to catch some fights, Rivers Casino in Schenectady, Cage Wars 40, it's going to be a hell of a card, dude, I'll be there. Uh, I think I have a, so I haven't really posted about it, because I mean, I haven't focused on it yet, but I think I have a combat jiu-jitsu match that day. Ooh, I'm going to have to watch that after the event. Yeah, I've never done one before, so like when I saw it pop up, I was like, sure, why not, just to get my toes in the water and try something new. Fuck it, How do you feel you'll well. do? What was that? How do you feel you'll do? Um, so the guy, I already have an opponent. I forget his name. I looked him up before I came out to California, but he's a, he's a high-level purple belt. It's a no-gi match, obviously. Um, I think I'll do fine. I think I'll have the advantage, if anything. I mean, as far as I know, he's a pure grappler, and combat jiu-jitsu, from what I've seen, is a lot more like a fight. I'm used to getting hit and still go for submissions or hitting you and defending and attacking my own submissions. So... Even if his jiu-jitsu ends up being a little better than mine, I think I'll have the advantage because I'm used to playing in that little ballpark. Yeah, your mixed martial arts jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. Most of your wins are by submission victories, all except for one. Thank you. Now, one of the things that Randall prides himself on is being a diehard, tough fan. And, uh, and we'd be stupid not to ask you about your experience in the tough house. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what it was like, you know, the things we didn't see on camera. Uh, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, the other thing is, like, a lot of people don't realize it because, I mean, it's, it wasn't a bad thing they didn't portray it on the show, but, like, what people didn't see the side of me is I'm a fan. Like, before I got into fighting, I watched all the fights, like all the UFC fights, the Bellator fights, any that were on TV. So, like, when I kind of figured out I made the show, me and my roommate were binge-watching the Ultimate Fighter. I think we watched almost every season just to kind of see, like, get that mindset, like, what it's going to be like when people start breaking. Like, you just get different, like, you pick up on human interaction. So I feel like mentally I was the strongest going into the house, and I feel like oh, some guys broke really fast and some started really breaking towards the end. I know for me, the last, like, four days, I was like, all right, I can't wait to fight. I need to go home. I need to see my friends and family, my girlfriend. Like, this is getting crazy. 
Now, one of your training partners at South Shore Sports Fighting ended up signing with the UFC while you were in the house, and you didn't know until you found out while you guys were watching the event, correct? Because there's no contact. Yeah, I had no idea. We were just, that was like three days before I fought in the semifinals, so I was exhausted. I was tired from the tough training. I was cutting weight, and uh, we got, the only thing we got to do while we were in the house is watch the fights every weekend, so... Um, I don't remember who was the main event, and I was like, you know what, I'm sick of watching prelims, I'm going to go sit in the kitchen and just, like, doodle, and I was just, like, sketching random crap on a notepad, and somebody was like, isn't that that Manny kid you were talking about, and I look up, and I saw Manny Shadowbox on TV, and I'm like, wait, what is going on? <laughs> That's an awesome feeling. Yeah, it was crazy, man, it was cool, because it was like, I got to see my coaches back home, I got to see Manny, so it was like, granted, there's no contact with the outside world, just getting to see them and seeing that they accomplished something while I was away, like, it was almost like I got to see them or talk to them. So it was really cool. You kind of helped you get you over that hump in those last couple of days? Yeah, the last few days, like, you wake up in that house and you're just like, I'm still here. <laughs> you're ready to go like, home at that point. Yeah, because it's like, you have a routine, you do the same thing every day. Like, it's as much as people think it, it is not like when you're at home. Like, you could say, I wake up, I eat, I train, I repeat, but not to the extent you do on the Ultimate Fighter because there is nothing else to do except talk to people that you might be fighting or that somebody you became friends with might be fighting. Like, you're living with the enemy. Like, it is crazy. So waking up in the same bed every day in the same room with these people, I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is never going to end. So other than the no contact part, because that would probably be the most difficult part of it, what was the most difficult part of the the whole experience? <laughs> Um, I'd say the hardest part for me would just be training around people that you might end up fighting. Um, like, just knowing that there could be somebody that's just, like, if you go to the side with one of the coaches and you're working something for your fight, just in passing, somebody that you might end up fighting could be walking by and be like, oh, I'll keep note that he's working on this, this, and this. So you, it's kind of hard to trust everybody around the area, I guess. 100%. You can only trust so many people to a certain extent. And then once people start dropping out or getting hurt or whatever, you can you can trust each other more, just like any other season. And it's not a knock on anybody. Like that's just I did the same thing. Like if somebody came up to me and was like, "Oh, they're doing this, this, and this." I'm like, "Don't tell me because I'm gonna keep in the back of my head for if we fight." Like, don't talk to me about it. So I'm pretty sure well, I already you even know got the first answer. You even had some good friendships on that show. Luis Pena is someone that you actually now train with at AKA. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that's my dude. I'm actually at his house right now in his spare bedroom. That's where I've been staying. <laughs> nice, nice. Shout out to Violet Bob Ross. Hell Can't yeah. see him again. Yeah, he'll be getting a fight soon, hopefully. Oh, hopefully we'll excellent, be able to pull excellent. him onto the show and get an interview with him before that because, you know, the Ultimate Fighter definitely made me a fan of him and, and the work that he puts in. But, you know, we'll talk more about that later on. I'm really, really looking forward to this fight, though, that you have coming up. And we've talked about, you know, the potential title implications. If those don't come around, do you plan to maybe move on to a different promotion? No, I don't think so. Unless the UFC, I'm going to be a cage fight and stick around. Um, I really just kind of, for my own personal reasons, want to get that cage Titans belt. I was the cage Titans amateur lightweight champ through a similar situation where there was a lightweight amateur in the local scene that was running through everybody. And I was the guy standing up saying, no, I'll beat you. I'll smoke you. And everybody said I was crazy, but he wouldn't fight me. Never took the fight. Or when I got a different opponent, he'd be like, see, look, you don't want to fight me. But he knew I had somebody else. So it's like all these people that want to 
underestimate me, but really know, like, oh, this kid could beat me. Like, I want to prove that point again. Like, fine, don't fight me. Vacate the belt because you're not a champion. I'll fight whoever for that belt. And if I don't get it, it would suck, but it just kind of, it doesn't speak about my character. It says more about the people locally. If they want to get to that next level and aren't willing to put it on the line for this promotion's belt, then they're never going to make it. Well, the odds have you a 3-1 to one favorite as of right now um, with two-thirds of the vote saying you're going to win by submission. I don't know how much you uh, go by the odds or what that means to you, but, you know, there's a little something uh, yeah. for you. Yeah, I mean, some people have hit me up and said that I'm still the favorite, but uh, I don't know, man. There's, like, a lot of people. you can. I never really trust the votes or the odds. Like, you don't know. Like, some people just say because they think they should when they really don't think so. And, you know, a lot of people think that I'll win, but they just don't flat out don't want me to. I got a lot of enemies, a lot of people that, that I'll just tell you straight up how I feel about you, and they don't like it, but that's their problem. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of people supporting me, but I also know there's a lot of people not only wishing for my downfall, but are just they think I'm going to fail, and I'm not going to. Well, I certainly am rooting for you for the win here. Um, like I said, I'll be watching the fight. One question I had for you is, how has your time on the Ultimate Fighter helped your stock as a fighter? Uh, greatly. Um, not as much as I wanted to, because, you know, unfortunately I had a very bad performance on the finale. And as big as the platform of the Ultimate Fighter is, I think that the finale is the biggest platform. Being a co-main event on Fox was awesome. Um, but I think there's no such thing as bad publicity. I didn't get as much exposure as I wanted, but through the show and through everything, I definitely think I got a lot more. I think, if anything, I just kind of sped up my career a little bit and got my exposure a little faster than I would have fighting locally. And, um, see, the thing with the Ultimate Fighter House that uh, a lot of the guys that I've talked to that have been there, they say behind the scenes they, they have a lot more issues behind the scenes than they, than they show on the camera. Was that the case with this season? Yeah, man. I mean, there's... You never really notice it. Oh, hold on. Roommates can't cook, huh? Yeah, you um, get that. Yeah, but you know, it's just—it's. I never thought about it until I was there. There's a lot that they try and squeeze on and tell the entire story of six weeks on our episodes of TV. So yeah, like certain people got into quarrels, and some people spar too hard, and other teammates don't like it. Just little petty stuff you'll see in any other gym. Wasn't anything too crazy that wasn't on camera. And as far as the. Uh the weight cutting you don't seem like you cut too much weight uh what do you walk around at if you don't mind my asking oh no i cut tons of weight <laughs> i walk around, so i should walk around at like 175 maybe a little lighter maybe a little more i walk around at like 188 now yeah. how difficult was that to hold that weight the whole time to keep your oh it was off? horrible it was horrible um a lot of people like, you can ask my friends and family, a couple of them that are super close to me notice it once they watch the show. Like, I was not a different person, but there's, like, different sides of me. Like, when I'm that depleted for that long, I'm very less outspoken. I'm very less uh, energetic because, you know, sometimes you can't get me to shut up. But I'm a lot more talkative when there's a cheeseburger and french fries in front of me than when it's egg whites and turkey bacon. Um, so, you know, I... You definitely took a lot out of training with DC as your head coach of the Ultimate Fighter. You obviously are now training part of your training camps at AKA. 
Um, tell me a little bit of what that experience was like being with Javier Mendez and Cain Velasquez and guys like that caliber. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just like they realize that they're at the top of the pinnacle of the sport. And I think that they're already world, like as far as the fighters like DC and Kane, they're already world-class. They're already the best of the best. I honestly don't think that these guys are going to get much better because they're already so good. So when they come to train, they're just fine tuning everything. So they spend so much time, even at training, helping guys like me get better all the time. They always have wisdom. They always have advice. And you know, it's awesome. These are guys that I watched on TV for years when I was a kid. I still remember me and my dad sitting by a TV watching Kane knock out Lesnar, and I was blown away. That was the first time I ever saw him fight. Now I'm training with the guy. Right. Now, you kind of walked through your opponents in the Ultimate Fighter house. Uh, there was two first-round submissions, and then uh, you, you got stopped by Mike Trezano in the fun alley. Um, feeling that experience at the UFC, has it kind of just made you more eager to get back this? 100%. I think everybody... Everybody that's never been to the UFC says they want to be there. And it might be true, but it's not more than I want to be. I was there for a short period of time. I was the favorite in that fight. I had a lot, and I had a lot to gain from winning that fight. And not only did I not gain anything, I lost a lot. So I got that taste, and I want it back, and I want to show people that would have became new fans that they didn't actually get to see who I really am on that night. Now, what steps do you take to get back to the UFC? So, first and foremost, I don't make my own fights because I will fight literally anybody. You know, I got guys <laughs> from New England calling me out all the time. Maybe guys that would beat me, maybe guys that wouldn't. Really good guys. Everybody wants to fight me, but in the same sentence, they want to say that I suck. But it's like, you want to fight me so bad for a reason. You're acknowledging I'm at the top of New England. That's on you. You have to cope with that. Like, I'm sorry. But uh, just let my coaches make my fights and just not make smart fights, but fight tough guys and that's my thing is everybody's saying, oh, you could probably just fight a few cans and get some good finishes and show them, like, you're down to finish people. And I'm like, I'm starting out my career. I've already done that. I fought the cans. I fought the decent guys. I fought the world-class guys. I want to fight guys and finish them that are high caliber because if I was in the UFC, I'd be fighting them anyways. So I want to show Shelby and Dana that I'm here to finish people. How do you feel you stack up against those guys in the UFC right now? So before I got cut, there was a lot of guys I was already eyeballing and trying to call out, and my opinion hasn't really changed. If anything, I'm even more confident. The, the kid that walked into the Ultimate Fighter finale is no more. I am can't explain to you guys how much better. It's crazy. It, it like I'm upset about how bad my performance was on the finale. I'm even more upset about the level that I'm on right now. Just, it's, just, it's mediocre compared to where I'm at right now. Just Me right now, finale would have been a different story. Now, your last fight was a draw against Josh Harvey. Uh, what did Correct. you take from that? Um, I landed 65 on ancient strikes in the third round. Maybe land 66 or 67. Maybe they'll stop it like they said. Um, but no, there was a, there's some holes in my game that we saw prior to the fight. And I wouldn't say he exposed them, but he played to them. No knock on him, but... Uh, He's just another guy that's not really real with himself. He's a tough kid, but he missed weight by five pounds. Um, I took the fight anyways because I needed that fight. And then after the fight, I thought in the moment I thought he won. Looking back at it, I thought I won or I see the draw. But when the fight ended, he got up, shook my hand. He apologized in the cage for having such a lame, boring game plan. And I was like, whatever, man. Like, we're in here to win. Like, that is is what it is. 
And then he grabbed the mic and started chirping at me. And I was like, whatever, man. You just apologize to a grown man. So that's on you. Did you want that rematch? Yeah. Um, he wanted me to go up to Maine and have a rematch up there. But the way this all started was him calling me out. So he called me out. He got the fight. He quit in the third and lucked out to get a draw. So if he wants a rematch, he can come back to where he started all this problem. And he can get it. But instead... He took another fight in a lower weight class against somebody that's been retired two or three times already. So anybody that's got a, yeah, which is like, I'm not going to knock you. Like you just had a tough fight, went to a draw. You want to get a win, which is fine, but just don't run your mouth and pretend to your fans like, oh, I went to a draw with a guy on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, you did. Congrats. If going to a draw with me is your greatest achievement. You have some problems. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but if, if not, uh, your best performance wasn't a win, then you can't. Yeah, really... exactly. He's sitting there, but that's just smoke. that's what a lot of these guys are. A lot of these guys are just like they don't realize it yet. They're they're those guys that are going to be like telling their grandkids, "Oh, that that guy Joe Janetti didn't want to fight me," or "I almost beat that guy," or "I went to a draw with him and." They either don't realize it or they don't care. But, like, that's not where my goal is. Like, I I will never be sitting at my house one day like, I fought Mike Trezano and lost a split decision. I'm going to be sitting at my house seven years old saying, hey, I got a rematch with him and I whooped that ass. <laughs> is that what you want? Do you want to see Mike one more time in the UFC? I'll see him one more time. He gets upset about it, wants a rubber match. I'll see him two more times. Anybody around me knows Mike Trezano. Loses to me nine out of ten times. That night, he was the better man. It is what it is. What happened that night, or was there some kind of tension before in the house? No, definitely no tension. Just because of what happened that night. I mean, he didn't do anything personal. He took care of business. I thought a knock on him. But at the end of the day, it's just my first loss, definitely, I didn't think it would come to me like that. Because it wasn't like he beat me. It was more like I lost, if that makes sense. And, you, also, you also beat your training partner, Luis Pena. How do you guys, yeah. does that make you feel some kind of way? Do you want to kind of re- give some redemption for him too? Uh, I mean, it would definitely be cool. I mean, like, we're so tight. Like, that'd definitely be something for us to, like, tip our hats to and, like, celebrate. But at the same time, like, he's a grown man, and he won't feel much pride in it unless he did it himself. And I know he wants to go down to 45. I'm not going down to 45, so... I was yeah, talking. I, I, I was talking. To, yeah, I was talking about it today. I mean, like you guys don't get it. I talk about this kid all the time. Like he is all I think about. Like one fight in the UFC, it's going to be obnoxious. I don't want three, four, five wins in the UFC. One fight in the UFC, I get a win. He's the first name coming out of my mouth on the mic. Like that is all I think about. I like that. So. Intense. <laughs> I really can't wait to see this fight that you've got man i know i've said it a thousand times but like holy shit i'm ready to see this comeback i'm ready for it and i like i said i think that you're uh you're gonna come back at the top of your game and we're gonna see this take off like we've never seen before and you'll be on a fast track to the ufc yeah that's the plan man i'm on that tyson fury train it's comeback season i'm looking to get any fights i can I'm looking to get wins i'm looking to show the ufc that i'm ready and i'm back and i'll beat anybody they want to give me so that's what I'm going to try and do. Now, if given yeah, like the I chance, pointed out before, would you like go back through? Before, you're still super young. So being super young, I mean, you could be back in the UFC before you're 25. You could have this strap before you're 26, 27. Yeah, yeah now, definitely. I mean, that's the thing is, like, 
I think the reason some people are confident in themselves. Me personally, bullied as a kid, was obese as a kid, got picked on, still have horrible self-esteem, has horrible self-esteem. I'm not confident in who I am right now, but I'm confident in how hard I work and I'm confident in how good my maximum potential is. I know the best version of myself is the greatest fighter in the world, and that's who I'm striving to be. When I reach that point, nobody can touch me. Well, I think it's going to, for me, it's safe to say as a fan that we will see you reach that point. You know, if you see people that, that are in the business just because they want to beat people up, and that's not the real reason. You're in this because you like to work hard. And, I mean, yeah, that's part of it, too, I'm sure. You like to throw the punches and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you're working your ass off because this is your dream. And that's what makes a fighter the best in the world. That is the quality that these guys have that you see on the UFC's top 15 pound for pound is they all go in there every day and they're ready to die on that training mat. And that's something that not 100%. many guys have. 100%. I think the biggest thing is it's almost like it's like I owe myself hard work. Like I was obese until I was 17, like my junior to senior year of high school. So that was 17 years where I did literally nothing but watch TV, play video games, and eat Oreos on the couch. So, like, I'm well, owed some hard work. Style. Wrestling, man. I mean, my my freshman year of high school, I started wrestling. I'd always wanted to lose weight, but I never worked hard. I never knew how to do it. I, also, I just didn't have anybody to guide me that way. I live in an Italian house. You know, every night for dinner, you're having sausages and spaghetti and meatballs and the dad never says that you have enough. Your grandparents yeah, come yeah. over. Oh, you didn't need enough. It's horrible, man. So oh, talking about Italian yeah. cooking, yeah, I'm stoned, dude. Like, calm down. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I got into wrestling, it was like, okay, this is a sport that I can learn, but it's based on your weight. There's weight classes. I go, okay, I can use this. So my freshman year of high school, I was five eight, two thirty. I can't compete with any of these guys wrestling at two twenty five. They're all like six feet tall monsters. So I slowly started getting the weight down. I went from wrestling at 225 to wrestling at 205 to wrestling at 190. And then my senior year, I wrestled at 170. Now I'm fighting at 155. How'd you do in wrestling in high school? Absolutely horrible until my senior year. <laughs> <laughs> my junior year, I went 0 and 30. What made you do uh, MMA? Uh, I got picked on as a kid. And... I fought everybody because I was, I'm a, still am, I'm a Dragon Ball Z nerd. I mean, you just, you watch Fuck your favorite yeah. characters, you watch your favorite characters get the shit beat out of them for six episodes, and then they finally suck it up and they do something about it. So that's just something I, I took into my life, was like, these kids were just making my life miserable, so I was like, alright, let's go outside. And the first few were like, what? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, let's just, go, let's just go outside and take care of this. Like, I'm not that witty, I'm not that smart, I'm not going to beat you in the battle of the words, but Let's just fight and finish this. Like, if I beat you up, you leave me alone. A couple of them were just like, nah, forget it. And a couple of them didn't think I was about it. So, you know, like, my first fight was in third grade. Like, I fought people in elementary school. And I've been fighting in middle school. I fought in high school. So, my junior year, we were talking about our careers and what we wanted to do after school. And I had already been a UFC fan for a while. And I was at a, a vocational school for automotive. I just didn't see myself working on other people's cars for the rest of my life. And I'm like, well, I beat up everybody that picks on me. So if I can make some money doing this, why not just bust my ass and beat some people up for some cash? <laughs> so, I mean, I went into the gym and I was, they were like, what do you want to do? Do you want to just train? You want to try and fight locally? And I was like, I want to be a UFC champion. 
you know, my coach was just like, okay. Like, I'm sure he hears that from everybody. Everybody says that. And I was like, no, I'm serious. So my second week there, I came right out of high school. I was just wrestling. And Manny Bermudez was getting ready for his amateur title shot. And they were like, this kid's fighting a wrestler. Go go try and take him down. They put MMA gloves on me. I didn't know how to throw a punch still. And I shot a blast double. And I got his legs. And I was like, this kid's going for a ride. And he grabbed my neck. And I was like, I'm going to slam this kid so hard. And then I woke up shaking, laying on my back. And Manny's standing over me going, are you okay? And I was like, what? And he's like, are you good? And I was like, yeah, why? He's like, because you're shaking and you went unconscious. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, I kind of caught you in a guillotine. And I was like, oh, what? He said, jiu-jitsu, motherfucker. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, I was like, what the hell is a guillotine? Because I remember he wrapped his arm around my neck. And I was like, I'm going to pick this kid up and slam him so hard. And then I woke up looking at the lights. And I was like, what is going on? That was your introduction to jiu-jitsu. Yeah, but I mean, it kind of showed everybody in the gym. Like, I stood up and I was like, all right, give me a round off and I'll jump back in. And these people were looking at me like, this kid just got his ass kicked and he wants to go again. He's crazy. But they realized, like, yeah, like, that's what I'm here for. Like, I grew up watching Rocky. Like, go ahead and kick my ass. Like, you're not going to get rid of me, though. So, I'll get back up. One of the guys that I'm personally a fan of off the Ultimate Fighter who hasn't gotten his UFC shot yet either is Tylen Clark. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like uh, having him in the house? Yeah, man, Tyler, he's a man. He's crazy. Uh, once he realized, you know, he unfortunately didn't get a shot. He wanted to come back for the semifinals. He didn't get a shot. He uh, he partied it up. He lived his life. Props to him. I was jealous. You know, there's an open bar in the, in the tough house. Like, you can have whatever liquor you want. And, hey, he's smart. He enjoyed it. We would all be hanging out. He's pouring drinks. Him and a couple of the other guys are hanging out and having fun. And I know some people got pissed because they were loud and they were up till 4 a.m. But, I mean, if I was out of the tournament, I would have done the same thing. I would have trained as hard as I could during the day and drank as much as I could at night. And how is he training? Uh, So, I mean, he just has a different style, man. I mean, he likes to keep a high, fast pace and he likes to go hard. And he hits like a Mack truck. So, you know, a lot of the guys don't like to go with him. Um, and that was like one of the problems we had is like a bunch of people didn't want to spar him because he was just throwing too hard. And it wasn't like he was trying to hurt anybody. That's just the pace he's used to. And that's just how he trains back home. And, uh, we've got a couple guys at my gym that hit really hard and try to spar hard. So I, I offered myself up. I was like, I'll go with him. Like, not just to like, be like, Oh, I'm a tough guy, but like he needs to get work. Like, he needs to train too. So I went with him and he caught me a couple of times with some hard shots. Like he hits hard and he's good. But we both got work out of it. Nobody got hurt, so it was good. Now, given the chance, would you train with him again? 100%. See, now that would be a, a fight that I would love to see, and one of those ones that, like, as a fan, I wouldn't be able to make a pick on because just, <laughs> holy shit, how do you make a pick on that fight? You know what I mean? Yeah, man, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not letting that dude hit me if we fought. <laughs> I, he's got some heavy fucking hands. Yeah, if if me and him fought, he's hitting me with maybe a jab and a low kick. That's it. 100% shooting right after that. <laughs> Not letting his right hand anywhere near me. He is a beast. Yeah, it's kind of hard to throw that power shot from your back. Yeah, for real. Very few people have gotten finishes off their back through strikes, yeah. That just doesn't happen very much. Now, real quick, before we wrap things up, man, I just want to give you the opportunity to kind of Give shout-outs to family members or coaches, sponsors, or anybody like that. 
Um, I mean, there's there's almost too many to say. Everybody at South Shore Sports Fighting back in Massachusetts, everybody that's been here at AKA beating the shit out of me for the past three and a half weeks um, means the world. I mean, I literally wouldn't be here without any of them. And just all the sponsors that have had my back since day one or guys that saw me on the show and just had the same mentality about what I'm about and how to help me get my way back to the UFC. Um, I mean, there's Receptor, CBD, you guys are the best. Onyx had my back since my second amateur fight. They've been hooking me up with supplements for a while. Um, Tim Tam Recovery, the therapy gun, it's amazing. Defense soap, making sure I don't get any ringworm or anything like that. Impact mouth guards, keeping my teeth in my head. Um, everybody's awesome. And I recently just teamed up with Sweet Sweat. I mean, it helped me with my weight cut. So it's been really cool just having these people that believe in me. And uh, real quick before we go, I just want to give you the opportunity, man. Uh, I just want to take the opportunity to thank you for your time. I know we're just about at fight week here. So, you know, you're starting to buckle down even more than you already have and get things ready. And, you know, I'm, like I said a million times already, I'm really looking forward to this fight. And uh, I'd like to invite you back for a post-fight uh, breakdown after your fight. We'll get in contact and hopefully be able to set that up. But, man, thank you a million for the time today. And uh, we look forward to seeing what's next for you after this. Yeah, 100%, man. I'll definitely come back on and talk to you guys. I mean, it's been great. Um, hoping for big things this year. All right, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. He's going to go out there and spark this guy. Don't miss it this Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Gennetti. Hey, this is Rob Wagner, and you're listening to the MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, Wreckage fans, at this time, I have Brave CBS newest acquisition, Flyweight Jose Shorty Torres. How you doing there, Jose? I'm alive, man, so I can't complain. How about yourself? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. So uh, you are now going to be starting this new journey with uh, Bahrain, sorry, with the Bahrain Company. Brave uh, CF. You've actually done a lot of commentating for them before, correct? Yeah, I've done a few jobs for them before, and I've actually, uh backstory is when I was turning pro, I won my second world championship, and in the process, Bahrain was having their first, you know, um, their first country team there. They've never been at the world championships, and it was the second year. I ended up being the first ever two-time world champ. It was the history making, and uh, the prince of the country, the guy who was the leader of the team, which is called KHK or Shahalit Bekamara Khalifa, his initials, he goes, I want to make a, a team and really boast that Bahrain is going to come out of nowhere in the woodwork. And he ended up recruiting the likes of me, Sandra Lambo, another world champion, James Gallagher, which is in Bellator now, um, and Frank Edgar, could be Nurgle Medoff, and Makachev, a bunch of the Dagestani Eagle guys, and it was, it was an amazing team. So, after the first year, you know, we were all, in a sense, you know, teammates, sponsored athletes. But once the year ended, he wanted to kind of take that to the next step and make his own promotion called Brave. And they ended up making it around two and a half years ago. And sadly, you know, the, the, the team dismantled because some fighters, like myself, were going to the UFC. Other people were in WSOS at the time. Other fighters are, um, you know, just doing different things, going to Bellator and stuff like that. So, um they started brave and it was one of those things that was honestly like a long time coming. They've always wanted me to sign with brave and I wanted to, but you know, the, the biggest pedestal out there is, is the UFC and, um, that's kind of the ultimate goal. But with this whole thing happening now, flyweight and just how I was treated in the really short amount of time that I was with them, it, it, 
really an eye opener. He goes, man, there's so many better promotions out there, and I'm looking at it right now. But ACF yeah, was the best one out of all the, the promotions that called me. Well, they came in with a significantly higher offer than your UFC contract, correct? Yeah, man, they they definitely see that was the thing is is you see you're expendable. And again, it's understandable. You're part of the biggest promotion in the world. Everyone can be part of it. So if you say no, they can cut you. You know, look at Yair Rodriguez when he took out the, a bunch of fights and eventually the beat. Um, it was the fact that they were cutting the fight division and, you know, Brave was allowing me to do what I wanted to do, which was go bump up to both weight classes, both flyweight and band. I'm like, you'll see one and nothing to do with it. So when I got released, it was because of the flyweight. And I go, okay, well, I have my professional wins at that phantom weight. I'm more than happy to bump up and two of them that's been title fights. Uh, I've shown that I can't fight against them with us. They go, mm, not what I'm interested in. And, you know, they released me. You were very vocal when it all came about that DJ was being traded about the flyweight division possibly then dismantling it. And you were, uh, uh, since the first casualty. Yeah, you know, I ended up making my own YouTube uh, video about it. I had my own series called Infecting Shorty, which definitely got to be uh, more consecutive on. But it's it's one of those things that I was like, man, I, no one's looking at the bigger picture. You know, we have the best champion in UFC's history, not just the best champion in the flyweight division, but, you know, because he is at the time the only champion, but the best champion in UFC's history, and they do a little bit of crap out of him. And Dana White even says that I wanted, he's threatening to cut the division, but now we have nothing there. You know, DJ's gone, so what else do we have? We don't have a Conor McGregor. We don't have the Colby Covington. Our talent is just as stacked as any other weight class. It's just we don't have the voice. We don't have the notoriety like everyone else. And honestly, you look at DJ, again, he dismantled a lot of people. It's kind of like when Anderson Silva dismantled everyone. Everyone was kind of belittling the division. It's just the fact that it's a 50-50 relationship. DJ's doing all the work, but if you're not promoting him, if you're not making him the event, I think out of 11 or 12 title fights that he had, he was only in main event twice or three times. You know, so it's the fact of even his history-making fight was a culminating event. She went into the title. Yeah, so it's like, oh, um, great. Well, I think they were kind of banking on uh, DJ to win that night to make the DJ-TJ fight, honestly, but... Let me ask you this question. I really hope I don't strike a nerve here. Um, with the UFC cutting the flyweight division, they really haven't said too much about it. They're still making uh, flyweight fights. Does that upset you that they cut you and are continuing to make fights at this point? Um, it depends a little bit. And actually, one of the reasons why it's, or one of the original reasons I brought my YouTube series was because I think that was the main reason I was cut first, is that I put everything into the light. Um, and, you know, got both it on BJ10.com, Slow Combat, and some of the other uh, social media feeds. And, you know, I was first on the chopping block because of it. But it, it does suck. But it's one of those things that when we talked to the matchmakers, they really didn't seem like they had a plan. They were just like, uh, no, we're not cutting it next week. Okay, we aren't cutting it the next week. Here are your release papers. But, whoa, 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 whoa. You told me I was going to fight December. Then you told me I was going to fight early next year. Now I'm not fighting at all, dude. I haven't fought in four or five months, and you're not paying me much. You know, you're barely paying me double what I made in Titan, and I'm I'm a fighter. I'm struggling here. Obviously, I need to fight to make money and survive, and when you're being prolonged, saying, hey, you know what's this day? You know what's this day? People don't understand the things that go behind the scenes of 
training camp injuries, your coaches fees, your traveling, and, and pretty much everything that goes in training camp. There's my last fight, I made 50 percent of my paycheck. Yeah, so that's that's only a few thousand dollars. That's that's not beneficial, maybe for a person who has again all these bills to pay. So, um, you know, does stuff that uh, that they're having fights. Consecutively, I mean, I think they just signed Joseph Benavides to another four fight contract, which ain't meant great for him, but they're still slowly taking up so many people. I mean, we have myself, we have Jared Brooks, Justin Scoggins, uh, I believe one, one of the Japanese fighters, which I just sadly can't remember his name. Um, I, and all these people slowly losing, they're getting cut, Ben win, just lost to, to, and I can't remember, the Wilson Hayes, and immediately he got cut that same week. You know, so what's up with Eli Garcia? What's up with Joey Sanchez? What's up with even the guy that just beat me, Alex Perez? He got knocked out by Justin Benavides. So are you literally not just fighting the fight? You're fighting for your contract now, and it's, it, it's not fair for a lot of them. And like you said, the fact that they never gave you an opportunity to bump up to 135. Most of your career has been at 135. You were a Titan SC 135-pound champion. I mean, the fact that they didn't give you an opportunity at all to fight, but yet they gave you almost two short-notice fights. I mean, you cut 26 pounds at nine days to fight Brooks. Then you turned around two months later, and on 20 days' notice, you cut 28 pounds. I mean, I don't understand why they didn't give you a 135-pound fight. Yeah, and the fight with so, Brooks was what I enjoyed. Again, I appreciate it, but sadly, even with Brooks, I, again, I, I hate a lot of my performances. Because of last night, all my time performances, like, yeah, there's little tweaks here and there that I could have done, but I had a two-month training camp. I do believe that I can beat anyone, if not compete with anyone with a two-month training camp. But Jared Brooks, I shouldn't be getting flopped by a wrestler, and nor should I be getting TKO by a jiu-jitsu guy like Alex Perez. You know, so it's the fact of, here's the correction, you're, you're right with a 9-day, 26 pounds, and 20-day, uh, 28 pounds. It's 54 pounds, but... I had two fights in two months. I cut 54 pounds in 45 days. I'm a fighter. That's, that's more than quarter of my weight. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, and it, it looks bad for me because, you know, I, I was a high trainer. I don't know if I still am. I, you know, I don't really care because I do believe I'm going to get back to that point. But it's the fact of if you're an average fan, you probably don't watch China Face, but you don't know much about me. But then you think that you're a book fight and I didn't know it's okay. It wasn't my best performance. And then, I was pretty much pushed to take this next fight, all the sports, and Dallas Perez, and it was like, I kind of had no choice because it was either fight then or probably fight sometime early next year. I was like, oh, wait, my fight with Jared Brooks was in June, so I'm not going to probably fight for another six, seven months? No, I, I need to fight. You know, so it's, that was the bad thing, is that we never had a choice. Being a UFC fighter, even, you know, what it, it's all made out to be, unless... Again, you, you are one of the stars, and sadly, there's not many of them. See, one of the things I've been vocal about, and I want to get your opinion on this, Randall's been giving me shit about it for a while, but I think the UFC is on this steady downfall right now. They're just constantly making uh, decisions that are bad for business, um, and they're, they're more focused on the money fight versus the fight that should be you know, taking place. And I think all these things are starting to pile up, and it's going to cause the, uh, the fall of the UFC. It won't, you know, completely ruin the company. We'll still see UFC events, but there's going to be a different uh, worldwide leader in MMA, as they call themselves, in the future. What do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
100%. You know, I, again, I, I would like to say it's a downfall just because obviously I am still very, very butthurt about the whole situation, but it's the fact of you're in a cut of division that's actually entertaining. You just never promoted it. You just sold the company and somebody bought it for, I think it was like $4.6 billion. They had no choice but to make money fight. They had no choice but to re-sign deals. The talk is done. They're not going to sign for the same price. They're going to sign for something more. ESPN bought that out. So they're trying to do everything possible to make all their money back. I mean, look at fights that just don't make sense. I mean, Cody Garbrandt versus, uh, or excuse me, TV Little Show, Cody Garbrandt 2. Does that really make sense? No. no. Is it something that the fans wanted? Yeah. But you know what fight made more sense? TJ Dillashaw versus um, Dominic Cruz, too. TJ lost by split decision, and he was a Dominic champion before that. I think that would have been an awesome fight for a rematch. But because, you know, Dominic Cruz is back, and now you want Cody Barber, and even though he fought now one in the top five, we're just going to give him an immediate title shot. Look at Derek Lewis when he had his five-second KO. Derek Lewis even said in that interview that he did not want a title shot. He's not deserving of a title shot because he's not conditioned for it. And three weeks after he said his balls get hot, he gets 600,000 followers on Instagram, and they forced him to fight in three weeks' notice against, you know, the best powerful pound fighter this year. So it's like, UFC's putting people in losing situations. CM Punk. CM Punk has no right to be in the UFC, but he's making half a million dollars to fight, and because he's a huge WWF or WWE star, he's going to bring in numbers, so we're going to bring him back in. Well, I mean, it all goes into that John Jones thing where, you know, if you do cocaine and dick pills and hit people with your car and take off, you can you can go anywhere in life. And that's, you know, that kind of, that's the yeah, message yeah. that they're sending out. And, you know, you get these athletes like you that have been on the straight and narrow, haven't fucked up, have been very dominant, not just through their amateur career, uh, you know, 12 wins, you go through your career, and then you have a, you know, you go into your second fight, and you end up losing that, but your first fight before that was a win, and, you know, maybe the way that that happened wasn't exactly the way it should have, but still, it's a win regardless, and I think that what happened is the UFC cutting this division is really, and I've said this before, it's fucking over the fans, and an opportunity to see a lot of talent displayed, and I think it all boils down to the fact that DJ John, uh, DJ left that, uh, that division stagnant with his, you know, he's such a, a great competitor, a phenomenal champion, and he sat on top of the throne for too long, and it just, it took all the magic right out of the division itself, and that's why this yeah. is happening. Yeah, it's, like you're saying, I mean, hell, we could say so many things with John, but I like the guy, I've trained with him before, he's a fun, fun individual, but, you know, with the circumstances that come to be, it, it, you shouldn't be promoting someone like that. Like, yeah, he came out clean, that's all awesome, like, good for him, and he's fighting immediately again because he is a cash cow. Look at Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar literally got bumped out of the UFC. Because I fucking of hate Brock Lesnar. Fuck Brock Lesnar. But we're oh. going to bring it back in for a title shot after beating Mark Hunt out of, I think it was technically a no contest. Yeah, he so still hasn't paid his goddamn fine. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, why are going to do that? Because he's a moneymaker. Yeah, the one thing I don't understand, too, though, about everything about it is... Are they going to move an event for everybody that's got a peak to a gram or some kind of steroid in their system still? Or is it just for the special people? And if you're going to do it just for the special people, you're really setting a bad precedent for the rest of the people in your locker room to pretty much say that you're not trusted. Yeah, it, dude, it's, it's ridiculous with that. I mean, you know, it sucks for every single other competitor that had everyone flying into Las Vegas. Again, most of those guys are international, too. 
You know, if you have everyone going to Las Vegas, oh, wait, we have to drive three, four hours to L.A. now? Oh, man, that's a lot more money, more hotel fees, and you probably have to pick the hotel that you deserve, you know? So it's, it's, it's hectic, man. They said they sold out in L.A., but how much did they sell the tickets for them? Because I highly doubt they sold out in L.A. Yeah, I heard this. on the dollar. The hotel situation was pretty shitty, too, for the fighters for the most part. That's what I gathered, and... I just, from what I've heard and the general consensus between fighters uh, off the record is that USADA is great in theory, but kind of a mess in practice, the way that they go about doing things. and You know, it just, it, it's going to discourage a lot of other promotions from actually using this type of, uh, uh, you know, base to drug test their fighters. And how, what was your experience with USADA, if you don't mind my asking? I think I was tested by USADA three times, and... Um, I was tested after the Jared Brooks fight. I was tested, uh, which sucked because it came like eight in the morning on my day off. <laughs> I was trying to sleep, but one day I get to sleep in and I can't. And I'm an insomniac, so once I'm up, I'm up. But, uh, there was that. Again, it's, it's super convenient, super chill, very easy fast to do, but they come spontaneously. So, for example, one of the times I, I tested again during the Alex Press fight. And then I tested again, actually, a day before I was released, which is just a coincidence. But the guy showed up to my house when I just traveled, I think, like 12 or 15 hours from overseas back home. And then right when I got home, he was waiting in front of my door. I was like, oh, what's up, man? You know, so it's, it's just one of those really, really inconvenient times that even, for example, let's say they're there and you're like, dude, I'm really busy. I can't do this right now. It's technically a strike on your record, and you get three strikes. So once you, you know, if that's a strike right there, so once you do that three times, coincidentally that you're just too busy during the time they come in, well, you know, you, you can't fight for so long. So it, it is, it, it does really suck, but again, it depends on when they come in and how everything's organized. And uh, now, uh, with one Braves, you are going to be... Uh, Fighting mostly at 135. Do they have a 125 pound title there? Well, I'm actually competing at 125 first. Oh. Yeah, so they... It's funny because we're... I technically have a card that I want to be on, and that's the card... Um, you know, that's, that's coming up soon. It's, it's either the first three cards that we're still trying to figure out. And we said 25 first, because my goal... I have a four-fight contract, and my goal is to repeat what I did in Titan. Have a title contender fight, fight for the title at flyweight, be the first inaugural champion. Because they did have a inaugural championship fight, but sadly the winner of that fight ended up missing weight, so he couldn't claim the title at start. And then I want to be able to defend the belt because I believe every champion should automatically defend the belt before moving weight classes or whatever the case may be. And then bump off to see, you know, if I can fight Stephen Lawrence, which is the current champion, whoever may be. I believe he's fighting in the Philippines in the main event. So. Now that's always subject to change. So for me, I want to fight at flyweight. I'm not a fan of doing the cut, you know, the, the big big cut, but all of my fights, to look at paper-wise, all of my fights, hell, even the one I lost, has ended in the first round besides one, you know, better flyweight. They've all, I've always knocked someone out, and I know I have the power at the flyweight division. That's definitely where I should be. I'm 5'4", I'm a short, you know, contender. So I want to be able to compete at flyweight and then show... You know, later on in my career, that I can't bump up the bantamweight skater and be a very dominant champion there as well. How do you feel that you compete against the uh, flyweights and bantamweights in Brave right now? 
Right now, there, there there aren't many compared to the other promotions that are really you know bringing people in. But honestly, I don't know because I've been to you know some of their events and you don't know any of the fighters. You know, you see just because they're out there mailing the states where I'm from, you you hear every single fighter or most of the fighters. But when you're overseas, everyone's trying to make it to the states, so you don't know who they are until they make it there. But here, Brave is doing something different to where they're just trying to really expose talent that hasn't really been discovered yet. You know, part of Spain, part of Europe, part of you know, Middle East, Asia, Australia, South Africa, that fighters just aren't typically from, or at least they're not the norm. And I don't know, man, I went to Saudi Arabia to coach my friend Rami Ahmed, who's from Lebanon, and he fought a Dagestani fighter. That was an amazing fight. That main event was Jeremy Kennedy versus Michael uh, Meadow. I can't remember his last name, super long last name. But, you know, Jeremy Kennedy was able to win by knockout, but it was a tough fight. But then you have all these guys from Saudi Arabia and Middle East, and whoa, I've never even seen this movie. You're really going to try to smoke in a fight? Like, this is, these guys are balls to do what they do. And it, I'm telling you, everyone's looking for the shot, and Brady is giving them that and giving them a chance to, to really shine. I mean, one of the champions is Bubba Jenkins. You know, and he's he's a dominant, dominant fighter. I'm just excited to see who's possibly going to take the belt away from him because I'm telling you, the the way Brady is looking for the talent, you just never know who you're going to fight because you've never heard of him before. So you really have to be on your toes and on your game pretty much every single fight. You can't look past anyone. So looking at your record here, Tapology has uh, your second, I believe it is your uh, second or third. One of these fights here says unknown for the, dis or the decision here. Can you talk to us about what happened? Result unknown. Your unknown third fight, story. excuse me. Uh, well, from my professional career, it's, my first one was a 2 minute 9 second submission by a front gate against Travis Taylor. My second fight was against Ronaldo Duarte. I ended up just beating the crap out of him. That guy was tough as hell and never went out, but I won a three-round unanimous decision. Third round, I fought Alvia Velasquez. Oh, excuse me, third fight, I fought Alvia Velasquez. He was 7-2 and knocked him out in the second round to win the five-way title. Um, that Tanelli had to vacate because of the ultimate fighter. Uh, then I fought Pedro Nobles for my fourth fight, knocked him out in 86 seconds. He was the UFC better in 18-2-2. Two two. Um, thought I was going to get the UFC shot. Nope. Then I bumped up to fight Farquhar Sherpoff, who was 17-7. I won a five-round unanimous decision with a broken hand in one MCL, which is a great, great fun fight. Uh, after that, Paul Gleason, um, they had this to the fourth round. I was able to submit him, put him to sleep in the fourth round, defending my belt. And then, let's see, what was after that? I can't remember the last guy's name, and I feel really, really bad. Alberto, oh, Alberto Oriano. I ended up knocking him out in the first round. And it's, and then I had Jared Wilson out for us. So, um, my whole career has been at you know, at the top of the game, so I didn't see the, I think the second the biggest promotion in the UFC fight path under Invicta, and it's it's a huge promotion that everyone wants to be a part of. I mean, they were just in Kazakhstan doing a global event. Now they're back in Florida January 27th, which I'm really excited for. So it's, it's I've been competing against some of the best of the best. I'm excited to see how it goes in Brave. And you've kind of been all over here as far as uh, different spots you've fought. Um, what was your favorite and least favorite location that you fought, and why? Man, I've had such a long amateur career. I think I started amateur when I was 18, so pretty much a five-year amateur career, and I've had multiple fights. Me and I mean, I was 25 and one kickboxing and Muay Thai together. I had 50-plus fights. I mean, wrestling, I had hundreds. 
and it's in the list and it goes on and on. So there's there's, there's definitely some fun ones, definitely not as fun. <laughs> I think the most fun I've had and the most uh, culture shock for me was uh, Brazil when I first went down there. I went down to the country, like the like the country area of Brazil, which is called Falde Lassi, which borders uh, Argentina, Brazil, and I think it's Uruguay. And just seeing one of the natural wonders of the world and being able to travel there and just seeing how people live is, is extremely different. They're not a third world country, but it's it's just it's different. You know, it's like our country, you see cornfields and crops and stuff, but over there it's rainforest. <laughs> you know, that's their version of the country. So it's very, very different. But um, I'm trying to think the worst. Man, I think I haven't had any horrible horrible beautiful work. Well, uh, actually, yeah, that, that probably is probably the good thing. It's between New York and LA because I was so mentally drained with those. Yeah. I was definitely more mentally drained with LA. With, just because, again, I had 54 pounds in, in 45 days. But with Jared Brooks, it was more, it was more of a panic attack. I got lucky because that day, I don't know if it was back then or whatever the case may be, but I ended up getting a second room. I was able to get my own room by myself, which is super beneficial just because you're cutting weight. I'm, I'm pretty much an a-hole. I'm a jerk to everybody, you know, so um, I don't want to be in front of anyone anyway. And that's all I want to do is sleep. But because I was panicking so much, I couldn't sleep. I mean, I came in the lightest out of everyone fight week. I came in only six pounds over fight week. But it was just, it was hard to maintain that and do that properly. I mean, it was, dude, I'm sorry, that last day, it was, it was really a panic attack trying to get that down. And it was funny because I don't even think Chad Brooks thought I was going to make weight. I saw him in the elevator the day before um, I was going to check my weight. And I was only like 22 over after. And I was going back up to my room. And he's like, what's up? I'm like, oh, just check my weight. He goes, so what's your weight? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty much on. Like, oh, 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 okay. Well, like, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make weight, man. It's gonna make weight like clear. But it uh it's it was definitely definitely a struggle. Plus Utica's such a small town man, there's nothing to do there. Dude, Utica's a shithole. I live forty five minutes north of there. It's it's a shithole. Um But yeah, yeah I was actually do that. Even we we had pizza and it sucked. <laughs> the pizza sucked? Yeah, dude. You you were in the wrong section of Utica then. Like Utica's just it's it's one of those it used to be a nice city, and then, like, it just kind of really went downhill. I was surprised they actually even had a fight there. You know, uh, which hotel did they have yet? Weird question. Uh, that one, I sadly don't remember, but it, it was only, like, 15 minutes, if not less, away from the venue. Couldn't was it the same time. one, uh, like, Anik and those guys were in? Yeah. Yeah, all right. I was in the lobby. I think I ran into you there. I was... Yeah, it's, it was, it, like, my, my room was nice. I was happy with the room. My room actually had a, it was technically like a master bedroom, so I had like a, a bike in there and a small workout center. I was like, oh, Yeah, they put you in a nice hotel. A really hotel. The, the, yeah. the guys at the other place were pissed. Oh my God, they fucking hated it. And one guy was like, hey, I'm trying to oh, fucking yeah. sleep and there's rats in the goddamn wall. And well, oh, there you go. Welcome to Utica, <laughs> buddy. Uh, <laughs> Sam Alvey and his oh, family did it, the, they did it the right way, man. They went up north up uh, actually, the next town over from where I live, and they bought like or they rented some bed and breakfast for just a little bit more expensive than what the hotel room was going to cost to book for his wife and kids anyway. So that's the way to go. Yeah, might well. 
Hell yeah, now. So, Shorty, um, okay. while we got you here real quick, if you had advice for a younger fighter, what would it be? And there's a lot of advice I give people. <laughs> um, you know, the, the biggest thing is, is, is enjoy the journey, you know. Everyone's very, very fearful. Everyone has a lot of pride and, and doesn't want to lose, doesn't want to do that. And for an amateur fighter, enjoy yourself. If I didn't lose my first amateur fight because I was the only one I lost, I wouldn't have gone 25 straight fights with multiple world championships and different, you know, all these different styles. Losing helps, you know, teach a lot of things. So I see a lot of people that don't want to fight people they know. Or, oh, man, this guy has such a good record. And even though it's a brown guy, that technically should be a fair fight. Oh, he's, he's good at this. He's good at that. on too. But then how are you going to know you beat that? And inevitably, you're going to face someone with that style. Maybe, maybe that, uh, you know, type of performance, whatever the case may be. So for me, I, I say enjoy the journey. Try to slowly apply to you know, certain circumstances. And just have fun along the way because you never know what's going to happen. You can break your legs one day or you can walk down the stairs without even practicing and then I don't know your career is over for whatever the case may be, whatever happens. So for me, it's enjoy the journey because you never know what's going to end. And, uh, Man, I've had multiple injuries. I've had multiple concussions. I've had things. I'm just like, I don't know if I can even never practice anymore. So it's enjoy it, and you might not get to the ultimate goal. But if you do nothing, you're not going to get anywhere. You might end up somewhere in the middle. You might end up as close as possible. But if you don't try, you never know. So you know, I think the biggest thing the amateurs is, you know, just hold your pride, head up, have fun, and enjoy the time it lasts because it's definitely going to pass by really, really fast. I like that. Wow, that was really good. Now, real quick, it says here that you've been with your coach for roughly 10 years. And uh, being young still, what is that like to have had a coach that you've been with for so long? How does that help you in your career? Oh, it's awesome, man. You know, the, the biggest thing you know, match about Charlotte from Combat Hill was my first MMA coach. Given that I've had, you know, I, I started karate when I was four and I've been in martial arts since I was four. You know, I, I never stopped. I went from karate to wrestling and eventually combat, though. We do pretty much everything in MMA, judo, jiu-jitsu, all that stuff. Um, and having him in my corner, he, he's not just... And I was with him today, I actually took a picture and posted it out there. He, he's not just a coach to me. He's also a father figure and a mentor. And I say that for many reasons because, you know, he really did save my life. I was a kid, get involved in games, get involved in my neighborhood, a little too involved. And... Uh, I didn't really have a sense of direction, and the gym gave me a lot of sense of responsibility, but he, he grew up with a marine recon, and that was his job when he was younger, so we had the tough love upbringing where whatever, whatever he said, even if it sounded really, really negative or rude, or, man, this is really going to suck, we had to do it anyways. You know, it was, it was really that tough love type of thing compared to a lot of parents now where it's like, oh, no, you don't have to do that, it's okay, you know, so um, we always had to do stuff, and the cool thing is no matter where I train, she's always my coach. I call him every single day. Even when I go down to APT, I call him every single day. Hey, man, this guy's doing this to me. This guy's doing that. He'll tell me over the phone, and I feel a lot better going in the next day, and he's always in my corner for the fights. But having someone who's been with me so long, we're in sync. You know, it's like I know what he's going to say before he says it, or he knows what I'm going to do before I can do it. So it's... It really just helping these in these type of occasions because he knows who I am and he knows how I react or if I'm just not feeling well or even for example this last fight he almost called the fight but we knew if I would have called the fight off I would have been cut you know so it was one of those things that um, 
you know, he, he just knows my expressions and he knows if I'm feeling a certain way or just acting a certain way, it's, it's probably not a good or even a bad thing. So, you know, it's, it's really awesome to happen on the third. Well, it's, you know, it, it really, it's given me a, you know, doing MMA podcasting has really given me a real appreciation for just how close and a coach and a fighter can become and how much a coach can help a fighter. And it really, you know, you've heard the stories, but to hear fighters put it into perspective is a whole different thing. And, you know, really, I appreciate you taking the time to come on today and, and talk to us. And before we wrap things up, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of share some love and give shout-outs to coaches or anybody else, family members or things like that that have helped you through your MMA journey. So do you have anybody you want to give any shout-outs to? Well, I appreciate that. Now, you know, it's, if I have to give shout-outs, I'd be on this for like another hour. <laughs> oh, take your time, man. Hit everybody. Uh, well, what I like to say is, you know, we can't work together with Team Shorty, whether you've been good, bad, or whatever the case in my life, you're in my life, and you're the reason why I'm the person I'm saying, you're the reason why I've made it so far in my career, and then doing podcasts, and hopefully inspiring people, and doing my thing, so that's why I say, you know, we are Team Shorty, and I, I just appreciate our love and support, but if people want to follow me, and and follow my journey and then, you know, see what comes next. Instagram, Jose Shorty Toys. Twitter, Shorty Toys, and two five. Facebook, Jose Shorty Toys, and remain. Even TeamShorty.com, 20% out of all the earnings go to the kids in my gym. And it's, it's a huge thing because, again, I'm trying to help my community and I'm actually sponsoring four amateur fighters. Um, technically, I'm, I'm losing money. I'm not making any money off of this, but I'm trying to help people get to the place where they want to be, whether it's UFC, Brave, Bellator, One, whatever the case may be. It's, it's trying to help people get along the way. So, guys, everything ships worldwide. TeamFolder.com, 20% of the earnings go to the kids at my gym, and then 30% of the earnings help going to uh, my sponsor, Amateur Fighters, so they can travel and compete and do so many things. So, please, guys, uh, I, I appreciate all the support and just thank you so much. And what are the sponsors that uh, help sponsor you in your MMA journey? Oh, man, I have... Get them all, man. This is what we're yeah. here. This this time is for. Well, well, that's the bad thing is I can't even remember. Oh, <laughs> damn. So many. And I know. I know. I'm gonna leave one out, and I definitely don't want to do that. But uh, uh, that's again. That's why I say we came with the other team showing. I appreciate all the love from my my sponsors. I won't be on that today. So for you know, for one for the help. I mean, even for example, when when I first signed up to the gym, I couldn't afford gear. And eventually, I you know was able to save up money, bought some gear. I had the same gear for six years before I ended up getting new boxing shin guards and just whatever. So it, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate all my sponsors helping me out. I I definitely need it. And just for any fighters that I have to sponsor, definitely show them some appreciation. Well, we definitely thank you for the time. You're a phenomenal athlete and an amazing human being. We really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, Jose Shorty Torres. Are you looking for a new MMA website to check out? Then get over to MMARecords.com. For the latest news, analysis, videos, in-depth blogs, fighter interviews, and more. From the local shows to the UFC, MMARecords.com has you covered. You can find MMA Records on social media, on Twitter at MMA Records, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MMA Records. So stay up to date with all things MMA at MMARecords.com. Now, guys, the moment I've been waiting for for about three fucking weeks now. I've just been jonesing to see some fights. 
Now, this weekend, there is a stacked card. It is the very first card on ESPN+. Plus. It is the UFC's introduction to the ESPN brand. It is champion versus champion. The World Flyweight Championship is on the line. Henry Cejudo puts up his title for his very first title offense against Bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw in the main event. Before we get started on that main event, we're going to go to the very, very beginning of the card. We're going to break down these fights from the beginning all the way to the main event. The first couple fights, tremendous fights we have in the first set of prelims on ESPN+. Now, the one fight that for sure stands out to me, and I know you got it circled over there, Ben, Paul Muhammad versus Jeff Neal. Oh, man, I cannot wait for this fight. I'm telling you, right now, Bilal Muhammad, I saw him at the PFL event. I got the chance to kind of shoot the shit with him for a few minutes. And plain and simple, he's ready. Uh, this is, you know, Bilal Muhammad has looked really uh, good in his past couple of fights. But this is a whole That's new... Streak. Exactly. And th- but this is a whole new animal that we're looking at here is the gist that I, I got from the conversation we have. And he says he's been on this decision streak. He's sick of it. He's coming out there. He's looking for a finish. And he's got a hard task in front of him if that's his goal because Jeff Neal has looked phenomenal in his last fight. He got a head kick knockout. Uh, and, you know, I don't – it's just one of those things. you got two guys right now that are starting their prime of their career, and I don't think there could be a better fight for either one of these guys right now. Yeah, like you said, uh, Jeff Neal, uh, head kick knocked out of Frank Camacho at UFC 228 was phenomenal. It was a completely amazing head kick. But not only just that, but the rear naked choke he landed on Brian Camuzzi, uh just uh, only, what, this February of this year, was amazing. He the, When he came on to the Contender Series, uh, he took out Chase Walden, TKO, in the very first round. I mean... The guy is on a chair. And he finishes fights. He's definitely one of those guys who does not like to leave it in the judges' hands. Uh, he's only got two wins by decision. Uh, I definitely don't see this one going to a decision. I know Balul wants to fucking finish, and I, I feel like they're going to go in there and they're going to slug it out. That's what I mean. Balul Muhammad definitely is. Uh, you know, he's looking for that finish, as he said. And he's only has a few finishes to his uh, credit there. I believe there's only three or four knockout wins. Other than that, he has no submissions. Um, and, and, you know, that's one thing he said is, is he wants to get those percentages up. And Jeff Neal, Hands of Steel, is a, definitely a fitting nickname for him. You know, he's been to decision, like you said, one or two times. And I don't know who to pick in this fight. I just I can't really make a prediction because it's one of those things that somebody could go down at any moment. I mean, I'm definitely going to go out there, and I'm, I'm going to say Bulul's going to win the fight. I definitely think it's going to be a hard-fought fight. I just feel like he definitely, at this point of his career, is on the uprise, and I think that we're definitely going to see a transformation of Bulul Muhammad into a real championship contender. Well, he has also been training with Luis Taylor, who just won the million-dollar prize at PFL's uh, New Year's Eve event. And that's, head, that's one of his head coaches. Working with Luis Taylor when he's competing himself is, is a whole other experience from what I've been told. Um, and that's really benefited uh, Bilal Muhammad's career. And, you know, like I said, I saw him in Utica against uh, 
what's his name there? I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry, but you know he looked good. Got another decision win. That was his last time out, and uh, I'm I'm hoping he'll come out here. I don't see this fight going past the second round. There's my prediction for you. And then plus also too, I mean he's with Rufus Sports. Duke Rufus always has his fighters ready to go. It's just going to be a tremendous fight all around. Uh, the next fight on that card is uh, Dennis Bermudez is uh, going to be taking on T. Edwards. And uh, I know T. Edwards got knocked out in his last fight. It was a, a head kick knockout in the second round. But uh, I definitely think he's going to be turning it around this time. Um, Dennis Bermudez, I would definitely say, is on the downside of his career. I mean, he's what lost, I would think it's four in a row right now. And then if you, if you even want to go back further, let me look it up real quick. If you want to go back further, yeah. So definitely he's lost four in a row. And out of his last eight, he's lost six. So, I mean, I don't know how much longer we're going to see this guy sticking around in the UFC. I mean, granted, he was definitely a, a tough finalist. But as we just talked to our last guest, Joe Gennetti, or one of our last guests, Joe Gennetti, um, being a tough finalist, that doesn't cut it. You need to do more than just that. And I feel like he's kind of ridden those coattails for a little too long at this point. I mean, he went on a tear at the beginning of his career, but we're not the same Dennis Bermudez anymore. I think T. Edwards is going to come back, and he's going to make a ferocious first-round knockout. Knockout of Dennis Bermudez. No, you see, I would have to disagree with you there. <clears throat> Excuse me, I would have to disagree with you there because I feel like we're going to see the uh, the old Dennis Bermudez here. I think he's going to come back and uh, you know maybe we'll see the one the Dennis Bermudez that we saw when he first got into the UFC. You know the one that uh, you know it was only a split decision, but he still he has that win over Holloway in the past. Uh, guys like Steven Seiler, Clay Guida, and I think we're going to get back to that base of who he was before because. I think the Ricardo Lamas fight, that first loss out of those six that you were talking about, was what really kind of did him in. It took away his confidence. Um, and in that fight, you know, he went out in the first round, um, something we've only seen out of him, you know, a few other times in his losses. And he wasn't used to that, that devastating style loss that he had there. Uh, plus, being in Mexico City, the altitude, I think that fight really broke him. And, uh, Coming back into that, losing to Jeremy Stevens, uh, pulling off two uh, decisions after that, and then going on this four-fight skid, I think has really woke him up. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this fight for the reason uh, exactly that is I've heard he's going back to that old style that he used to train. Um, and he's looking to fill in those holes that he's had in these past few fights. So we'll see what happens, but I'm definitely uh, going to have to give this one to uh, Dennis Bermudez probably by decision. Now, that is going to be the main event for the ESPN Plus prelims portion. Now, we're going to jump to the portion of the card that is going to be the very first UFC fight ever to be on ESPN. Now, the fact of how monumental that is is huge. These eight uh, fighters, I mean, just... Those eight fighters alone, you can tell they're marketing them to put them in a position to shine in the future. Well, I mean, you look at Corey Sandhagen right now, who I believe is number six in the world in his weight class, I want to say. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, He's fighting undefeated Mario Batista. 
That's what I mean. These guys are going to be the first ones to step into the cage at the ESPN setting. This is going to be that first fight. You know, and I'm really... On ESPN. Exactly. And this is and like... How monumental that is, it's crazy. You know, yeah, exactly. It's like, go back and see how, you know... It's um, a worldwide leader in sports. Exactly. They're having the same situation right now that Aaron Rosa and Matt Lucas felt way back when uh, UFC debuted on Fox uh, back in uh, fucking 2011, I think it was. Yeah. You know, this is a, such a historical moment and the sport for us as fans, and if, you know, take a second and recognize it, because it's truly amazing to see where we're at now versus where we were back in even 2011 when the UFC came onto Fox, and how much the sport has grown, it's fantastic, and, you know, Fox paved the way for that, and ESPN's going to take the reins, and, you know, this first fight on their card hopefully will be a banger, and hopefully sets the pace to uh, what's going to be a great partnership. Now, how do you see this uh, Lucista-Sanhagen fight turning out? Uh, Sanhagen all the way. Now, this is uh, Mario's very first fight in the UFC. Um, I don't see the UFC jitters playing a role with him. I feel like he's very poised as a... Well, he's a very confidence-based fighter. He's very confident yeah. in himself as a person and as a fighter, and... Um, you know, there's a very good chance he goes out here and gets the job done, but against, uh, a, you know, a big shot in here and Corey Sanhagen, who, like I said, is high up in the rankings, top 10 here in the uh, 135 division, which is another very stacked division that the UFC has. I don't know if maybe this is a good fight for him to take right off the bat for a UFC debut. Um, all the best to him, though. But I just I see Corey Sanhagen going in there and getting it done. Yeah, but a lot of people would have told Alexander Hernandez, don't take... On Benil Darnish and what ten days notice? Well, let's be honest. Mario Batista is no Alexander Hernandez. Yeah, you know nothing against him. Nothing against him. Kind of fighter. Been confident and they're very in the know. He's in the now. Yes, but Alexander's talent level coming into the UFC was at least tenfold of what Mario Batista's is. All yeah, right. But we'll talk more about Alexander in a second. Right now, I want your official This guy lands almost 10 Batista strikes a minute. Sanhagen. Uh, Corey Sanhagen. How? Pick a fucking way. I'm telling you right Pick now. Pick a fucking way. That's what I Corey mean. Corey Sanhagen. Knockout or submission. It's first. How's that? First this guy lands 10 strikes a minute. He's gonna, on average, 10, 10 significant strikes a minute is the stat sitting in front of me right now. I'm just going to go against you, okay? I'm going to say Mario Batista, and I'm going to say he's going to get a, a decision victory ah, against you. All right, Ward. so you're going to be one of them scum fucks and just kind of, all right, yeah. all right, okay. And the next fight on that ESPN prelim portion of ESPN Plus One is Alonzo Minifield versus Vinicius Morea. Now, how do you see that playing out? I'm a big fan of Alonzo Minifield myself. He's 7-0. Um, he was on the Contender Series the very first episode of Season 2. He knocked the dude out in 8 seconds. <laughs> oh, I watched that. Yeah, dude. He, wasn't that the first Deshaun fight Dolan. of the Contender Series? Like, the first fight of the card? Yes, and he, he's <clears throat> taken people. Like, all of his fights have ended with a finish, and most of them have been knockouts and TKOs. I mean, the dude is just, he, he's tremendous. Well, I'm, see, that's the thing is, can you put the level of uh, talent that he has on the uh, on the contender series really into play here? 
with it being so much of a bigger stage. I hope that we can see that type of performance again as a fan, you know what I mean? Yeah, and everybody I likes watching like, those knockouts, but... I feel like this is the perfect matchup for Alonzo Mayfield because Vinicius is kind of at the same point in his career, too. He's also coming off of a contender series victory. He had a second-round submission in his uh, Dana White contender series Brazil uh, card. So... And he's been on a roll at that, too. He's had submission after submission after submission after submission. Exactly. I, mean, I was just going to say. Submission, I mean, he's a submission fiend, so if he, he keeps standing with Alonzo, I'll be very, very surprised, honestly. This isn't going into, you know, he doesn't, he's never been into the third round, this gentleman here. Uh, yeah, both these says, guys, yeah. have, both these guys, Minnesota's never been out of the second and I think this is going to be a fight. He's never broken a sweat in a second, really. Well, this, here's the thing. It's like, can we, at this point, as much as you want to say we're going to see a finish, I'm going to pick a decision here. Yeah, I feel like this is the uh, I feel like these guys are grappler versus striker matchup. You know yeah. I, mean? I feel like these two are at the pinnacle of their young careers. I feel like it's going to be a hell of a fight. So, it, this honestly, straight up, I'm going to say it right now. This could be a dark horse for fight of the night. Oh yeah, I think it or will it be. be one of those really boring ones, what? and you guys can all yeah. talk shit later. But fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna no, talk I'm gonna shit to you it, either so way, you little man, baby. <laughs> go ahead and tweet me. I don't got a Twitter. I give a fuck. Well, I'm giving this to Alonzo via decision, but I'm going to say it's going to be a split decision. I'm going to go out on the limb here and predict a split decision. You know what? Uh, Alonzo has shown that he's got some submission fucking qualities in his game. Now, obviously, it's probably more guys where he's getting knocking you out by your power and you're turning around and he's going to take the back and submit you. But, I mean, shit. Here's how it's going to play out, okay? Alonzo Minnesota is going to have Vinicius on his back, and Vinicius is going to catch some type of an arm triangle or an arm bar or a triangle off his back, and he's going to get Alonzo Minnesota in the second round, beginning of the second round. Now, I, I'm, I'm not changing. i telling you, decision. Split. You bastard. Split decision. Yeah, you bastard. <laughs> now, um, one of the uh, next fights, the very next fight on this card is is one that I'm definitely looking forward to. This one girl, JoJo, has definitely uh, seen a reap dip. We've seen JoJo 2.0, as we call it now. And she has definitely uh, progressed into a new type of fighter. Now she's come to the States. She trains full-time in Vegas. I mean, you can tell that her, her work with John, uh, what, what is his name, Bigwood, they have really uh, gelled together well, and she's learned a lot under his tutelage. Um, I feel like her opponent, though, is going to be a little too much. Uh, Ariane Lipsky. This girl's a this fucking is her killer. Very first, this is her very first UFC um, fight ever. And... When we did our interview with John Anik, this is one of the people he said, you guys should keep your eye on. So I went that day and actually did some research on her. And the girl's a killer. Straight up. She is a specialist in fucking mauling people. I, I, I really feel like 
<clears throat> we have another Polish superstar on our hands right now. I think she's going to achieve levels beyond Joanna. Um, number one pound for pound for active women in Poland and, and uh, Eastern Europe. She's sitting 19 in the world out of best flyweights. Uh, 45 on the pound for pound list out of the female fighters in the world. Like she's just nine fight win streak. That's what I mean. And she's she's still in the prime of her career, and I think she's going to come in here and really show the world who she is and start to take over. And I'd say by 2020, she will be in title contention. Um, I, I definitely feel like people might be sleeping on her, like the casual fans at least. Because they just don't know who the hell well, she is. Well, then fuck them. There's a reason she's called the Violence Queen, and they'll find out. She's going to go in there and rip JoJo Calder with a part. Oh, for sure. This JoJo I, 2.0, you call her? I mean, she goes out there and gets one submission win at the end of the first, and you guys are saying it's 2.0. I don't know about that. I think we're going to see the same person that Jessica Andrade yeah. ran through. But, you know, whatever. I, I'm fucking... I'm How all on this hype train. Fight turning out? I see her going, getting slaughtered uh, second, through the first round, uh, and then Lipsky takes her down in the second and gets that submission. I see a decision victory um, for the violence queen. I, I definitely victory. think Lipsky is on the rise. Like I said, she's on a nine-fight winning streak. She's a flyweight. She's definitely going to be... A force to be reckoned with in this 125-pound division. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not going to throw out Valentina Shevchenko anytime soon, but to say that by 2020, she's right there in contention isn't a far shot. It's not. Not at all. Come on, Randall. we got the first event on ESPN here. Where's the pep in your voice, my man? This is an exciting moment. We're breaking down a piece of history here. Come on, man. Get with the fucking program. Well, you want some pep in my step, and let's go ahead and talk about this next fight, because this one's definitely got me fucking really excited. Now, we have the veteran, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, taking on the young pup, Alexander Hernandez. Yeah, you want to talk about a comeback. Let's talk about Donald Cerrone. I understand, oh, you can't say one submission. I know I just said that, whatever, but this is Donald Cerrone 2.0, and... I really think that if there's anybody out there that can crack this uh, Alexander Hernandez issue that there or not issue I shouldn't say that this Alexander Hernandez puzzle if there's anybody that can solve it it would be this version of Cowboy but do I think he's going to go out there and get the job done fuck no there's nobody really right now that can beat this guy I, Cowboy has the best chance right now uh, in in this stage in his career with this mindset I think he has the tools to do it but I don't think he's going to do it. I love Cowboy to death, but this fucking reminds me of Jorge Masvidal. It reminds me of him fighting Darren Taylor. It reminds me of he's fighting Leon Edwards. He's fighting these young pups who are just uh, uh, not, I mean, they're not on the same level anymore. And there's no offense to Donald Cerrone. He's definitely a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He definitely will go down as the most badass, ready-to-fight-anybody-anytime guy in the UFC ever, but Alexander Hernandez is a completely different beast, and he's a completely new generation. Let me ask you a question. Would you say that Donald Cowboy Cerrone's biggest weakness is his body? Would you say that is the biggest target if you were an opponent of Cowboys? Wouldn't you put your target right there in that body? Well, yeah. I mean, look what RDA did to him. Look what Darren Till did to him. 
I mean, those body shots, they added up on him. And, uh, I mean, he's taking some hard body shots. Well, I think days. that's the key to victory he's here. He's some hard shots, period. I mean, look at his fight with Nate Diaz. Look at his fucking he fight with Robbie Lawler. That first round was insane. Oh, that too, yeah. And that was shit. That was only two years ago. Exactly, yeah. He fucking, I don't know. I don't think Cowboy gets this one done. I think you might as well put him through a wood chipper and he's got a better chance at this point. I mean. I just feel like Hernandez is on a whole different level right now. I feel like we're talking about a future light heavy, or sorry, lightweight champion of the world. Uh, and, and like you said on this show before, a future featherweight champion of the world. Well, that's um, the thing is, the I. Kid's an animal. He came out and, and just starts Darius in less than a minute, and then he fights OAM, and I'm thinking, they put this kid in over his head. And at that and point, I, I think Aubin Mercier was, was ranked. I thought it was, it was yeah, they are both ranked at the time. Uh, I thought for sure going up against OAB or OAM, that was steep matchup for uh, Alexander Hernandez. I had him losing that fight. Belongs. I picked him to lose that fight. And I told him that when yeah. we had him on the show. I said, man, that was a fight I had you... You know, I didn't pick you to win, and I'll be 100% honest. He goes, thank you. That means a lot to hear that. He's like, I'm glad you doubted me, and I fucking proved you wrong. And I'm like, you know what? Me too. <laughs> because it's just it's part of this thing. And like I said earlier, there's these fighters that will go in there, and they're willing to die in there. And he is one of those guys that, fuck it, I'm going to be the best in the world, or I'm going to be the first guy to die in there trying. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And, no, for sure. I texted him the other day. And uh, we were chatting for a second, and I just asked him about, you know, the training cap and how everything going. And he was like, just, bro, it's going so good. You would have no idea. I feel amazing. I'm ready to go. I'm going to take his head off. And there's no doubt in the, uh, when I say this that this is definitely the biggest fight in his career thus far. But I don't think it's going to be much of a challenge. I see this being that 2019 that he talked about where if he's not getting that title fight, he's going to be very fucking close. And I, I can't doubt him. I can't. It's physically impossible. I will die if I doubt him. There's my, yeah. It's that deep. He is that good. As far as the next fight goes, though. Paul Robinson versus Glover Teixeira. Now, that is the first fight of the ESPN Plus main card. Um... Paul Robinson is seven and one. Glover Teixeira is twenty seven and seven. Glover has been on a couple fights skid streak right now. I'm pretty sure uh, he just lost to what Gustafson. He's lost a fight uh, after that too. It was to Corey Anderson. Um, yeah, he hasn't looked too great. He's win loss win loss right now. Um, just not the guy I expected him to be. Uh, when he first came into the UFC. I know he got his title shot against Jones, and it was a little lackluster. I feel like if Global Teixeira would have got his visa 10 years earlier, we would be talking about the Hall of Famer. Well, see, here's the thing. is, I mean, he trains out of one of the best camps that you could have with one of the greatest coaches you could ever dream of having in John Hackleman. You know that. That second-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu definitely helps. But at this point in his career, I mean, he's not getting any younger here. Um, I believe he's almost 40 years old, if not a little older than that at this point. And like you said, he's going on this win-loss. And not to count, you know, Anthony Johnson, uh, Alexander Gustafson, Corey Anderson, they're all game opponents. But 
at this right. point in your in your life, at this age, do you want to keep putting yourself through this when, you know, maybe it's not the best for you? You're, you're starting to, to break down, I think, as a fighter. Um, you know, there's no reason that somebody as talented as Glover Teixeira is and was should have lost to somebody like Corey Anderson, in my opinion. Not to hate on Corey Anderson, because he's really starting to climb the ranks and improve himself. But at that fucking point... You know, Glover Teixeira should have fucking won that fight. He should have buckled down. There's no reason he didn't, other than the fact that he didn't try hard enough. And I think that's the point we're going to reach. Is does he want this anymore? And then look across from him, he's got Baby K, Carl Robinson. I mean, outside of his one loss to uh, Cesar Ferreira, at USC 224, which I mean, Ferreira... Oh, and Mutanchi's fucking... Nasty yeah. triangle choke. But um, outside of that fight, I mean, he, he's shown very well and had very good performances in the UFC and on the stage. Yeah, well, I was going to say, look he what he did at the Contender, the contender series. series. Yeah, he had that KO Ryan spawn in 15 seconds. Um, he came in, got the submission victory in the first round over Darren Stewart in his very first octagon appearance uh, since his scissor for era fight. He beat Jack Marshman in a decision at UFC 230. And here we are, the very first fight on the ESPN Plus main card, I feel like he's definitely primed to take that next step for him. Uh, Glover Teixeira is a huge step up in competition for him. It's definitely a name. It's a name with a number next to it. It's a name that used to have a very good number next to it. Um, so it's definitely a step in the right direction for him. If he can get a finish in this fight, it definitely propels his career in the right direction. I don't know if it'll happen with Glover, but I definitely see Carl Robinson getting the victory. Um, I'm going to go with, say, decision victory, Carl Robinson. Well, I see. What I'm starting to think here is if Glover Teixeira doesn't plan on retiring within the next few fights, is he's going to turn into the kind of like a gatekeeper for the 205-pound division in the UFC. And I think Carl Robinson... Exactly. And I think Carl Robinson's, you know keys to victory here are just to kind of work the jab and stay at the distance, pick him apart, and I think that's exactly what he's going to do, and like you said, pull off a decision victory, but if Glover doesn't win this, I don't see any reason he needs to stay in the fight game anymore, um, he's been in some wars, and I don't want to see him take much more damage than he already has, but yeah, it's his decision, you know, I can't speak for him, I don't know how he feels at, you know, almost 40 years of age, but I mean, I'm like I said, I can't make decisions for him. I'm going with Carl Robertson by decision. Now, the next fight on the card is going to be Rachel Ostrovich versus Paige Van Zandt. And uh, it's an okay fight, I guess. I mean, I understand why they paired these two up together. Uh, in a photograph, it looks great. But outside of that, fight-wise, I mean, they show, I guess, the same caliber of type of fighter. Um, I don't see either one of these two ever getting a title shot. I mean, it's unfortunate to say that, but it is what it is. That's the nature of the beast. Well, I definitely uh, think the winner of this fight will definitely get some sort of ranking next to their name. And in order to get that title shot that you said, just mentioned, they would really have to tune it up in, in terms of, uh, you know, 
how they train and how they fight. I mean, if you look at Paige Van Zandt on a two-fight losing streak right now against uh, Michelle Waterson and Jessica Rose Clark, I believe, and uh, one of those she got finished. Um, I think that was the Michelle Waterson fight, I believe. And at one point, there was high hopes for Paige Van Zandt. You know, she came into the UFC, won three fights, and people thought she was going to be good. And then Rose Namajuna showed us all of her weakness. Showed us exactly yeah, I mean, how you pick just, her apart and how you take care of her. And what since, you say, you know, is she might, the one of these two might have a ranking next to their name. I just don't see who you take out of the rankings to put them in. Do you know what I'm saying? No, well, let me uh, like, get those pulled up, and I'll see if I can see what you're saying here. I'm just, I don't know. I'm interested to see how this fight's going to go. I mean, there's okay, obvious well, reasons let, let as to why. Uh, a little bit of perspective. I'm like, pulling them up. I got you. Don't you worry, boo-boo, I'm with you. Right here in front of me. <laughs> Who are you going to take out? Fucking, there's really, it's, it doesn't matter at this point. You put him at 15. No. Angela Hill beats both of them. Angela Lyle Hill? Zing Zang, who's most likely number 16, beats them too. I'd like Hell. to see Angie Hill back Hell. in now that you mentioned her. Anybody know when her next fight's going to be? Does she have Lydia one Souza. Olivia Souza beats Baltimore. Oh, yeah? I don't think so. Yeah. Angela Hill, for sure. Oh, and Angie Hill's a fucking beast. She's one to watch. I think she needs to tighten a couple of things in her game plan, and then she'll have uh, title contention I mean, in her should future. Should I keep going up the ranking? Do you want to? Mario Rodriguez? I don't think so. Ronda Marcos, I don't see them. Courtney Casey, I see Casey running through both of them. Alexa Grasso, same thing. I don't see where hey. you could put them in these rankings. Hey, sweetheart. You realize this fight's taking place at women's flyweight, not strawweight, right? Oh, we're still even there. You can't put them in the flyweight rankings, sweetheart. Let's go there. Come on, All right, sugar tits. I'm telling you right now, go ahead and look at those flyweight rankings. You're going to tell me that fucking either one of these girls couldn't fucking roll through anybody in that fucking bottom, uh, bottom 15? Uh, apparently, yeah. I don't think so. I don't see the Ashley Evan Smith. I don't see. Well, I mean, KKB we obviously Lee. know Rachel Ostevich. She already lost to Montana De La Rosa, but I think uh, Paige Van Zandt could get her. Hell, I think Antonina Shevchenko could beat both these girls. Oh fuck yeah! I mean, obviously, come on now. You gotta look at the the fucking. All right. So anyway, before we get too much more off track, what's your pick? <laughs> Sorry, guys. What's your pick? Uh, Rachel Ostovich, by decision. Well, just because you're a douchebag and pulled this shit earlier, I'm going to disagree with you now and go with Miss New Boobs, Paige Van Zant, and I'm going to say that's going to be Ooh. my decision. I'm more of an ass guy, so Rachel Ostovich it is. Uh, I'm with now on to the next fight. You know, Joseph Benavidez is taking on Dustin Ortiz. That's one that I'm kind of interested in. I feel like, again, Joseph Benavidez is another one of those guys who's right there who's definitely always been on the cusp. He's had a couple title shots. He could be the next guy in line if Henry does win. Well, no, you can't, you can't say that because we don't know what the future of the flyweight division is going to be. Joseph That's Benavidez could if go Henry in there and spark wins, Dustin Ortiz and then they could be like, well, sorry, buddy. Now you've got to go up to bantamweight and fight your way into the rankings there after you were put at number two in the fucking world. Like, are they really going to shit all over a bunch of guys like that? I just, I, I, I personally, in my opinion, I don't think they should get rid of the flyweight title. But 
is I mean, finally it is not it is stagnant anymore. Joseph Benavidez, Dustin Ortiz, that's what we have in front of us right now. What do you got? Benavidez, second round submission. I'm going to go Benavidez by a first round TKO. Oh. Started off Darren with a head today, kick. aren't we? Well, I will so give you that, fight, man. The next fight after that is Gregor Gillespie versus... Gregor Gillespie is the fucking real deal, ladies and gentlemen. I'm saying it right now. I don't... The fight that I want to see made after this one, and I really hope this could happen, is I want to see Gregor Gillespie go in there and fucking starch this guy, and then I want to see him versus Hernandez. That's the fight that I want to see because I think Gregor Gillespie is a fucking potential star. I want to see Hernandez versus Gaethje. Oh, everybody wants to see that fight. But Gaethje's going to get tied up. Uh, who did they just say they were in talks with? Oh, fuck, I saw it on uh, social media today. But now because I'm trying to remember it, I'm not going to be able to. But he's starting to get locked in for a fight. I think it was Barboza, Edson Barboza. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of on the lock. But, you know, that would be a fight that not only would I like to see now where, you know, at this stage where Gregor Gillespie and where Anthony, uh, or Alexander Hernandez, excuse me, uh, where those guys are at in their career, I'd really like to see these guys fight. But at the same time, I think it would be even better of a fight a year from now when these guys are either one of them's got a belt or they're in the, t- yeah, that's what I mean. Or even, you know, a title contention fight where these guys are both top five, which they both will be one day. Yeah, I feel like it's it's highway robbery that Gregor Gillespie doesn't have a number next to his name. You want to talk about Rich Lostovich and Paige Van Zandt being in a number of contention. The fact that Gregor Gillespie has not cracked the top 15 really just shows the depth at the 155. Oh, I say division. it all the time. He's one. Of the, it's the most stacked division. You know, that's the thing is, like, people, when I'm like, oh, yeah, Gregor Gillespie's been in the UFC for just over two years, they're like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, these guys don't even I'm think gonna, of, you know, two years of winning, four or five fights he went on in the ooh. UFC before he fucking, you know, even thinks about getting a ranking next to his name. I think he has one. He's number 15 in the world right now, finally. But, you know, you go two years of just whooping people's ass in this division before you can even get a number next to your name. I'm going to say Gregor Gillespie by a decision victory over Yancey Madrid. Via Madrid's Cleveland Steamer, he shits all over him. He's a tough bastard. I mean, come on now. There's no other way. Gregor Gillespie goes out there. And let me just tell you, in case fans are wondering, I've met him. He's a really fucking nice guy. So, like, that just makes it even better. All he wants to do is fish, bro. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I mean. Like, but no, he's he's going to go in there. Gotta he's going to get this fight. I think it's going to be another TKO first round. And uh, we'll move on to the woman beater versus Alan Crowder. Ooh. Oof, I shouldn't have said that, huh? Listen, we're going to piss people off here today, aren't we? Now, I've heard plenty of people what they said about Craig Hardy. and What his past may be. His past is what it is. I, I don't give a fuck about his past, dude. I'm really looking forward to watching him go in there and beat the shit out of this guy because he's going to go in there and get another first-round finish. against Alan Crowder uh, here next Saturday, this Saturday. It's the co-main event for this ESPN Plus card. Um, I feel like Greg Hardy has a tremendous power. That is undeniable. I feel like his speed and athleticism is also something Two minutes not look fast. and seven seconds. I mean, I feel like Alan Crowder might be 
a little in over his head. Two minutes. Now, if we can get this fight to the ground in seven seconds. Greg Hardy. I don't know what he's got on the ground. I don't know what he can do. But he's definitely at the right place to stir up any of those problems at ATT. I mean, American Top Team is one of the best gyms in the world. The fact that he went there to start his MMA career was just a tremendous move and the smartest decision that Greg Hardy could have made. I am going to go ahead and say this does not go out of the first round and Greg Hardy knocked out Two minutes and seven seconds, my friend. Greg Hardy? That is his combined fight time in his professional career. It's three fights, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And What's I'm, your decision? Uh, Official prediction. Well, Greg Hardy, of course. <clears throat> Do we have a round? A method? Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm trying to total up a time here so I can give you his total fight time between his amateur and his uh, professional, but I've... Not going to be able to do that and give you guys a fight time. I can tell you right now, it's just less than a uh, full round of professional mixed martial arts round. That's ridiculous. All right. You got to figure he's got, uh, let's see, about 46 seconds and two fights right there and another minute 36 in one of his fights in his amateur career, plus that two minutes and seven seconds I kept repeating there earlier. So less than a full mixed martial arts round. And let me tell you this. They've all been by knockout. So how do you not say, you know, that this isn't going to be another knockout? Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong, Alan Crowder, or, yeah, I said his last name, right? Okay, we're good. You know, I mean, he just got fucking knocked out in his last fight against Justin Willis. Um, he did try to make a comeback. That about didn't make it. But, you know, he has got his finishes to his own credit. Yeah, so I, you know, he might get the finish himself, but I'm on this Greg Hardy hype train. I feel that now. Will I have you where I have you? Oh Jesus! I want to bring up the fact that we have a champion versus champion main event coming up. This is the ESPN Plus One, the very first card on ESPN, the main event. T.J. Dillashaw is going down to the 125 division to take on Henry Cejudo, to take on the opportunity to become a two t- uh, simultaneous double champion. I mean, the guy has done everything he can do at Bantamway outside of beat Dominic Cruz. He has taken on all comers. He's taken on Cody Garbrandt twice and made him look foolish both times. Cody Garbrandt uh, makes himself him. look foolish. I can't True say that T.J. Dillashaw has done everything there is to do at Bantamweight until he takes on the winner of Marlon Rice versus Rafael Sansal, which is going to be hard. No, he's already Marlon. beat Rafael Sansal. But he, 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 wants so to, he can't say he's done everything. I'm sorry. You, you could There's say just... this. At this point, if Cody Garbrandt does not come back looking like the same Cody Garbrandt we've seen at 217. He's not. He's a fucking turd. Like he's gonna. T.J. Dillashaw has officially killed two careers because him and Burrell haven't looked the same either. I want to say he's actually fucked up a few more people's careers than that. I'd have to do my research. Well, Um, yeah. If you ask the Team Alpha Male guys, they'll say he's fucked up a lot of careers. But we won't get into that instinct right now. But his opponent, Henry Souter, is no slouch. Just to hype on some of his Olympic wrestling credentials, we have a 2008 gold medal in Beijing. 
we have a 2007 bronze or yeah 2007 bronze in the wrestling world cup a gold medal in the pan american games in 2007 and it was the pan american gold medalist in 2006 2007 and 2008 in freestyle wrestling the guy is to say an elite wrestler is an understatement he is a god when it comes to wrestling. I think he's he is, the most decorated wrestler in uh, the company's history. Oh, he's the most decorated combat sports fighter of all time. I mean... Look at what he's done in freestyle wrestling and the fact that he beat arguably the greatest fighter of all time, Demetrius Johnson, to become the second flyweight champion well, of all time. you don't get a right to talk shit because earlier when you and I were discussing that fight, you said that DJ won that fight. So, I still feel like DJ won that fight, but the scorecard reads, split decision, winner, Henry Cejudo. I can't argue with the facts. At the end of the day, I have my opinion, yes. But the facts show that Henry Cejudo went in there and took Demetrius Johnson's belt in the split decision. That's what the facts show. I can't argue with that. The man beat DJ, and it, it is what it is. I have my own opinion. I think DJ you won You think the, fight, the reason that he beat Joseph gonna... Benavidez is because he kicked him in the dick so many times? Like, is that what you're going to tell me now, too? Like, or that he, he, lost, yeah, that he lost to Benavidez is because he kicked him in the dick? Is that, like, are you going to... Yeah, he was... Yeah, I mean, let's be realistic. He was deducted one point in the first round, and, that, and that's realistically what cost him the fight. I don't know, man. I think that Joseph Benavidez had that fight. Now, this this fight that we have in front of us, him versus TJ, I feel like TJ dropping down in weight isn't going to hurt him as much. Uh, you've heard his coach, Dwayne Ludwig, speak about the fact that he is faster at this weight. Yeah, but what's all um, this shit about the fucking uh, weight? Night. Yeah, but let's be realistic, bro. Um, and we had fucking people on before we've had coaches on before we had jason Pillow on before talk about fucking you know fighters will give you one thing but in camp it's really a completely different oh yeah well i mentioned that earlier how do we know he's not baiting the hook how do we know and we won't know we We won't won't know because we won't know until he steps into the cage and if anyone can drop down 10 pounds it's tj joseph that guy is a tremendous fighter I mean, put put away all the personal things between him and what happened to Team Alpha Male. The guy is a killer. I mean, he's on a four-fight win streak. Well, the only Two time I'll, I won't fights. be able to put that whole thing aside is when he's fighting a Team Alpha Male guy. At that point, then I'll start to, you know, think about that. But you got to put that aside because we are dealing with what is potentially, the, you know, going to be the best Bantamweight in UFC history. You know, oh, look at what sure. he did to what was the best man in weight, Hannon Barrow. He broke for him. Sure. He fucking broke him. Well, and he, he, a very close boss to Dominic Cruz. Very, very close. Have given it to TJ. Well, one judge did. I think in this fight with Henry Zerudo, I think TJ Dillashaw has the skill set to take out Henry. The real thing is going to be is if. TJ cannot take as much damage when he gets taken down by Henry because Henry is going to take him down. And there's no way around it. There's no way that TJ Dillashaw stuffs every single takedown and takes him out like that. I at least feel like he's going to be taken down one time, if not multiple times. It's how much damage does he sustain on that ground. 
I think that he's got enough tools in his arsenal to be able to get back up on his feet without taking too much damage. Well, he's got a decent uh, takedown TJ, defense at 86%. If you guys really like to play into the stats, there's your number for you. But I don't. Yeah, and he's got I think really it's going to drop footwork. significantly. Oh, yeah, his footwork's amazing. His footwork's phenomenal. He can, you know, what's his defense rate? 66% on significant strikes? And that's an accurate number for you? Double champion. I do, too. I can't deny that. Um, round knockout, TJ Dillashaw. Well, if you look at the uh, the way that people are betting on the fight, you're seeing a 50% lean towards a finish uh, in favor of uh, TJ Dillashaw there. The people that have picked him to win half have picked knockout. Uh, the 58% of the got? people that have picked Henry Cejudo have picked decision. So there's a lot of question in Henry Cejudo's ability to finish him. Uh, then again, the other... Uh, 42% said that Henry Cejudo will win by knockout, and nobody has said submission, shockingly enough. Um, which, you know, I, I'm surprised a guy like Henry Cejudo with his wrestling background hasn't tried to submit more guys or actually have any, any submissions on his professional career to his credit. But what I think we're going to see here is a very, very hard-fought uh, fight for, uh, for TJ Dillashaw. I see a really uh, boring first round for, for a casual fan. I think it's going to be a very uh, slow-paced feeling out. out. Yeah, feel a uh, feel out process for these guys here. That first round, uh, about the first third of the second round, they'll still kind of be working each other's timing. Hudo's so going to get him down, hold him down. Third round, he's going to get him down, hold him down. And it'll be about the fourth or the fifth round where uh, T.J. Dillashaw, after taking roughly six to eight takedowns in that time, is going to really learn what he needs to do to stop those takedowns, or he's going to learn the timing on that knee. And that's going to be how he wins the fight. He's going to time that knee perfectly. He's going to do it the same way that Demetrius Johnson did it when he fought uh, Cejudo the first time. So TJ Dillashaw yeah, by late I finish. TJ Dillashaw being the fourth simultaneous double champion. Oh, I, I do too, 100%. But I'm telling you, that's how yeah. it's going to happen. He is going to have to come back from some sort of adversity here because the, the wrestling is going to be too much. He's going to eat about eight out of... He's going to have 8 out of, let's say, 12 takedowns attempted he's going to take. So he's no, not going to have... Sure. Yeah. I'm super excited. Henry's going to have 8 wait. for 12. That's my prediction. Yeah, no, like I said, I can't wait. I know you guys can't wait. It's this Saturday. It's ESPN Plus number one. Sahuna versus Dillashaw. Barclays Center. We're going to wrap it up here, guys. I just want to say thank you guys. Here's my other prediction. To listen to us. Go ahead. Before this event, I will. I guarantee you, no dollies will go through any windows at the Barclays Center this time. <laughs> well, there's been dropping off a solid. But uh, at this time, I would like to turn it over to Ben because you know how great he is at thanking our sponsors. So, uh, Ben, go ahead and do what you do. Well, folks, you know my vape sponsor. I just put in another order with those guys today. Their newest juice is a coffee cake flavored vape. BrokeDick.com for all of your cheap vape juice needs. They're selling their um, 120 milliliter bottles now in those uh, payday or um, payday. Jesus Christ, here we go. I'm fucking everything up tonight, guys. 
They have those 120 milliliter bottles in the bankroll edition now. So instead of spending $15 and getting that 60 milliliter bottle of your bankroll edition, your favorite flavors there, now you can get those in 120 milliliters for the same price. So your favorite flavors like pink lemonade are there for you in the big bottle at all times for $15. Your regular flavors, such as one of my favorites, the... Uh, the Fruit Punch Flavor Water Cup, the one I'm vaping right now, those are going for the 11.50 standard and normal uh, $23 and over is free shipping, guys. So make sure you get in there and you get your vape juices. Same with RichardTemp.com. It's a, run by the same guy, Richard Broke, a phenomenal person. All your CBD vape needs. Just a little disclaimer for you guys, those do not come with nicotine. Uh, if you want your nicotine juices, you're going to have to go to uh, yourbrokedick.com for that one. So... Make sure you guys head over there and get all your vape juice needs figured out. Always want to give a special thank you to Michelle Lewis and MMAWreckage.com. We really, really, really appreciate you giving us this platform. And thank you guys so much uh, for everything you do over there at MMAWreckage.com. Uh, also, guys, we have a group now, MMA Wreckage, the Facebook group. You guys can head over there and uh, request to be let in. Yeah, it's only it VIPs out. only, so uh, you know, get in those requests and we'll let you in as we see fit. First come, first serve type of line, We let everyone. We we pretty much let everybody <laughs> in. As long as you're not a scum fuck, you're in the group. It's a plain and simple, you know, base rules. If be respectful. Fuck, Don't be a douchebag. Yeah, or you're gonna get the fucking boot. So other than that, though, guys, Dave Manley, MMABobblehead.com, always taking care of us. Cage Wars 40, guys, February 9th yes. at the Rivers Casino and Resort. You want a live night of MMA action, Super guys. It's going to be a pay-per-view on CageWarsNY.com. Look up the uh, card details there. And I really don't think I've missed anybody other than uh, I said Dave Manley. I've got everybody in there, guys. And uh, Tale of a Monster, they've actually got a show coming up, guys. So for anybody in the New York area, they haven't had details yet. But I have a feeling it's probably going to be at the 12 North uh, Sports Bar out of Utica, New York. So if you guys really kind of like the previews and shit that we've been showing you over the past few weeks, or you've been on Spotify listening to their music, there's your opportunity right there to check those guys out. Other than that, guys, I want to let you know that I will be at Cage Wars 40's after party at Van Slick's there on the casino floor. So make sure you guys come on over and check me out. I'll be there to, to be made fun of and thrown at, you know, whatever. Like I told you guys in past episodes, always welcome to chat with you at any time. Just approach me at the event. I'd love to shoot the shit with you guys. Other than that... And uh, before we let you guys go, though, I want to let you know that next week we have two phenomenal interviews lined up at this point. We have Uncle Creepy, Aaron McCall, or Ian McCall, my apologies. He's going to be coming in and talking to us. And then we have former UFC announcer Jimmy Smith. And I'm personally looking forward to that interview. We're going to get in-depth about everything that went on with him and his parting ways with the UFC and see what's coming up next for Mr. Smith. All right, guys, and also, you know, any fan questions you hear when we talk about guests coming up, anything like that you guys want to get to us, always use that text line. Uh, U.S.-based fans, Canadian-based fans, Puerto Rico-based fans, that number is 315-922-2384. You guys were blowing my shit up during the PFL event, and I absolutely loved it. So keep them going 24-7, guys. You know the number. You guys got the direct line right to me, right to the fan questions. This is your guys' show, too, so we want to make sure we cover them all. Get at it, guys. You've got the number. We're really looking forward to next week's show. Jimmy Smith, Uncle Creepy, Ian McCall, and a couple more Cage Wars guys for you. So we'll catch you guys next Wednesday night.